I am Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And this is Bros Watch PLL2. Today we're talking about S6E5. She's no angel. Hmm. Who's the angel we're talking about in this episode? Uh, Mona? Mona? I'm going to assume it's Mona primarily. It's kind of a, a little bit of a mirror. She's better now, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But mm-hmm. obviously it could apply to all of our mm-hmm. beloved pre Yeah, it's Spencer. Yeah. Uh, so this episode written by Oliver Goldstick and Maya Goldsmith, directed by Michael Grossman. I've probably w- said this before, but Michael Grossman's directing TV since the 90s and has done episodes mm-hmm. of many, many TV shows, including Star Trek, Buffy, Angel, and Firefly. I would love to do an interview with him about this episode because they're doing some very considered things with the camera and with the framing in this. That I mean, this whole episode, it feels... Like a horror movie that's like a farce at the same time. Yes, yes, exactly. That's that's the thing, is it's the close-ups are so deliberately off and too close. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I don't know, this some some wonderful mirrored cam works on the, the the double the two handers, especially the Spencer Mona conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean we'll we'll get into all that, but just the the aesthetic in general, it's 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 like if if Kevin Williamson was a a visual you know director instead of a writer, that was like the vibe that I got. It was very much poking fun at like some horror tropes. You mean Kevin Williamson of like fifteen years ago? Yeah, <laughs> back back when he wrote Scream. Yeah, yeah, and a weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well let's jump right in. We open up with uh, an actual Dutch angle where the camera's kind of tilting and moving around. It's all spooky. We're in the dark hallway. We see Spencer kind of around the corner, and she's walking around confused. It's very very much you get the feeling that you're immediately seeing like a dream or something just by the way the, way the camera's moving around. How many shows will start in Midi-Ray in the character's subconscious? <laughs> PLL is definitely one of them. It's like this old, weird dank building maybe like a basement there's like exposed brick on the walls i mean this place looks just creepy as hell it's, it's, it's like, like very subway old school horror movie yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like dripping you can just hear this kind of like you know dank like little like bloop in the background this is like this is a great episode for like sound effects guy on pll mm-hmm. i don't know i don't think pll is like a foley guy but if they did He's having a fantastic time in this episode. There's so much sound design. Yeah, so Spencer gets to the end of a hall, looks one way, and we're looking behind her in this great little tilted shot as we see, like, just blurry in the background. There's, like, somebody, like, leaning up against a wall, and then this person, like, drops down to, like, this weird pose, and Spencer, Spencer, like, she spins and looks. I mean, this is basically, like, the chick from The Ring, right? This is Maddie Ziegler here, who I guess is on, like, Dance Moms or something. It's the or for me primarily like I know her from like Sia videos, including the uh, controversial Shia Beowulf one. Um, you, you but yeah, watch like, a lot of Sia videos. I have seen two because mm. they're interesting pieces of visual You're art. Big fan of Sia. No, uh, some of her songs. Mm, okay. I was very curious about the uh, the Shia LaBeouf video. Uh, but yeah, I, I tried listening to that Beats One radio station. Uh, after an, an hour, I realized that uh, I'm too old for that. 
Um, so yeah, like the Grudge or the Ring or like a you know, like a video game kind of thing, like like a, like a Silent Hill or something. Um, the yeah, Spencer's like, hello, hello, and this girl who looks like an apparition like takes off running down another hallway. So some squeaking. So Spencer chases after her, like rounding a corner. Wait, wait, who are you? Uh, it's like thunder rumbling. Um, then we begin basically like a nightmare ballet turned anguish monologue turned interpretive dance. As music starts, it's like a carnival version of. What I could only call like Black Swan Lake. Well, we come into a a room that's some sort of weird, creepy, like aromatherapy bathroom place where there's like just tile walls and like old tubs. One of the tubs has like a tarp over it. Um, And yeah, just crazy, weird, modern interpretive dance. Um, Did you have any thoughts on this dance? Like any any narrative implications? I know some people said that it was uh, portraying a birth, possibly. I don't know. I'm not uh, really up on my modern dance interpretation uh you know i uh i can't say i'm good at reading that like in a twilight tharp sense but uh i mean there's a lot of like in addition to crazy body contortions there's a lot of like to me acting out different types of pain either emotional or physical or shame um but like if hannah's dancing last season was like the rosewood version of losing control of your frustrations this sequence is like the ravenswood version of being (laughs) scared fuck of your own psyche um, yeah, it's pretty fucking creepy. And in the middle of it, as Spencer's watching uh, this chick just dance around like a psychopath, uh, she starts having flashbacks to the dollhouse, to the the blood on her, um, you know, from the last episode, covered in blood and whatnot. Yeah, as, as her hand like hits a wall, Spencer, you know, for example, imagines her bloody handprint again. Yeah. Uh, um, at one point. Uh, this girl she like covers her face and then like later on she like runs right up to Spencer and then like retreats back and almost looks like she's been like it's like it looks like the tape's almost being rewound the way she moves backwards it's really creepy yeah she's like she's doing some like Linda Blair shit as a dancer here um she she gets on top of one of the tubs and she takes a step and Spencer gasps because it seems like she's about to step on the tarp and fall right through into the tub but instead, it's like she's just like walking across it, like she's like levitating almost, uh, fling herself around. I mean, and, and Ziegler, it's a cheap feel, effect, but it's pretty cool. I feel like Ziegler is definitely has. There's some like, raw talent here. As choreographed by a guy named Travis Wall. Uh, you have to appreciate what Troy's doing too. The way she's being able to react, and her reactions are extrapolating from it. I had mentioned that like uh, this reminded me very much of specifically the the prequel movie that Twin Peaks Firewalk with me because there was a scene in that which involved dance which still scares the fuck out of me just to even think about some ghostly whirring sounds. Um, I also kind of I, I kind of had to place in my mind against like just what you could do when you had like Summer Glau in Firefly, uh, especially like some of the stuff she did in like Firefly's last episode. There's something about the movements of a dancer, the way their body can convey things even when they're not dancing. Um, well, what would you, how would you describe the sound effects that she makes when she does those one contortions on the covered tub? I don't know. There's like weird screens in the background. The music is all this like creepy flute music, this like low pitched flute music. Yeah, fluty madness. Um, and not the usual score, which just makes it weird. Um, eventually, girl ends up in a corner in a chair and like, like pulls her and contorts her legs up in front of her and starts rocking and nodding and spencer's totally freaking out and suddenly chair's empty well and spencer's uh, like that was odd then yeah. she like kind of senses something looks down there's like an old worn pair of like uh, slippers and on the side of these kind of like rough plastic looking slippers or whatever we see handwritten and fading away c de Laurentiis. 
And she like kneels down to examine those. And we see that she's, you know, got the open door behind her, the hallway laid out. And then there's the large looming shadow of what is probably A approaching her. And she kind of like looks back over her shoulder, scared. And that's how it ends. I mean, I love this opening. I, I thought it was utterly bizarre and, and wonderful in a way that a show <laughs> is very boldly doing it in this like sixth season, I think. <laughs> it was a bold choice for the first 35 minutes of the episode of the interpretive dance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, isn't I? I also was always under the impression that Radley was like a, like a you know home for wayward, crazy girls. But apparently, there's like a separate wing for boys for Charles to be there. I guess so. I mean, we know they had like specifically a uh, uh, young children's ward at one point. Mm-hmm. Because um, I mean, like, have we ever seen another guy at Radley? Like, what was Charles doing there? That's a good. Well, yeah. and that, that, you know, according to some theories, and I'm looking at you, Malls, that may be the answer right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, I love that, like, there is so much to interpret there. It kind of remembered me, I know we talked about it again, like PLS version of uh, Buffy's Restless, kind of just bizarre dream logic, overt dream logic. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, Spencer, is she, is she possibly just imagining this as a version of herself? Like well, her, I her think subconscious the, trying to dance meaning into her conscious understanding. I, I think what we can assume is that she's high as fuck right now in her dream. Like she probably ate some of her like pot cookies before she went to bed. And this is what you get. Uh, Spencer's mm-hmm. just all about like drug induced uh, hallucinations and, and dream logic. Now there's an interesting article on entertainment with website with Oliver Goldsmith about how this cameo came about. Yeah. And, um, people can go read that. I've just, I feel like the writers are like, let's write this. And then, Let's go check the internet afterwards and just have a good time with how people interpret this. Mm-hmm. So after the credits, we're uh, seeing the following day from the brief episode. Uh, it's the following day after this dream of definitely it's morning when Spencer's kitchen. She's creating the phone, packing her bag, talking on the phone of Aria. Um, also, I know you mentioned the TVs before. That one little TV is still mounted there on the wall of the mm-hmm. kitchen over the sink. So Aria over the phone is just like, hold it. Go back. Did you see his face in the dream? And Spencer's Are- like, Huh. I was going to say, Arya, by the way, seems to be at uh, her dad's office at Hollis. Still works there, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, the word is nightmare. And no, I didn't. That's when I fell off the bed. LOL. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen Spencer fall off the bed. I think that would have been a, a fun visual. I feel like if you just cut from the dream to that little moment before like before the end of the tease, like it would have just turned everything you saw before into like <laughs> ultra parody. Yeah. It would have been too comedic almost. Um so yeah, Arya so says, uh, so who is that little girl? And Spencer's like, I don't know. I've never seen her before. Or maybe I have. I fucking love this show. And you have to, you have to give everything to Troy for selling that line so perfectly. That and the one when they're outside the dollhouse at the beginning of Game on Charles. Mm-hmm. He felt familiar, but not familiar. Like a pen pal or a cousin or something. Yeah. Arya says, well, again, Spencer, it was just a dream. Nightmare. Uh, Aria, if that's true, then why do we take up the entire pre-credits opening? Uh, like, mm-hmm. come on, explain that. Mm-hmm. Clearly not just a dream. Uh, mm-hmm. Spencer says, well, what about that creepy room? I mean, do you remember ever seeing anything like that? It's like, she hasn't seen it, Spencer. It was in your head. Yeah. yeah. Aria's like, I-, I don't know. And if I did, I completely burned it from my brain. Listen, I should go. Spencer's like, wait, wait. When we get back, or when we went back inside after A locked us out, do you remember a tiled room? It was right next to the and Arya's just like Spencer. I I, I don't want to. And Spencer's just like Arya, please help me. Arya says I can't. Seriously, it it's taking all that I have to forget that place. 
meanwhile, Spencer's like fishing out her bag of pot cookies while talking to Arya here, mm-hmm. and she gets a little piece out to munch on. And Arya's like, it is bad enough. I can't even walk by the photo lab without. And Spencer's like, what did you do with that hair dye? And Arya's just like, you were giving me cramps. <laughs> Love that. The, the interaction of this episode are just ludicrously wonderfully interesting. Oh, yeah. I should say, in addition to this episode being uh, kind of like a farcical horror, it's also incredibly sexual, which I think somebody tweeted at Michael Smith, and I would have to agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's also, it's, I don't know, it's like the characters are, are leaning on each other in ways that we don't usually see, I guess. Especially mm-hmm. Arya here. I mean, Arya who could be bizarrely effective when she contributes to the mystery solving and ha- just... That's all part of her mystery. Clinical example of how obtuse she can be when she drags her feet. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're giving me cramps. And Spencer's like, Arya, we can't just throw away clues. <laughs> like, what clues? Oh, so then from Arya's side of the call, we can hear these incredibly loud, exaggerated chomping sounds. <laughs> well, it's funny, like, when when we were just talking before we started recording it, if you go back and listen to the interview we did with Troy, and it seems like this episode was really on her mind. Because yeah. so much of the stuff she mentioned in the interview, you can see what she's talking about with, like, her and Hannah being the investigators, Spencer being a nympho, all that. Um it's all we're seeing it all here. It's really funny to to watch. But yeah, yeah she's have, chomping away, and you can tell she's having a lot of fun right now. Like the checklist of things that we were definitely looking forward to after mm-hmm. that interview are, are primarily right here. <laughs> Ari's like, "What are you eating?" And just like chomp, chomp, chomp. And Ari looks at her phone. She's like, "Hello, Spencer, are you there?" Spencer's like, "Yeah." She goes over to her, her coffee maker, and there's a note on it that says, "Mr. Hackett needs an answer." And it's uh, rich presumably left by Veronica here, a nice move putting it on the coffee machine because, mm-hmm. of course, Spencer's going to f- see it. You know, she's going to go there. You put it on the drugs that you know she uh, goes to. Mm-hmm. Spencer says, I'm still here. My mother's just sitting on my chest. She's still on my case about this stupid valedictorian thing. Well, I love the just the physical gesture. She just tosses the note <laughs> like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's getting like a to-go coffee thermos out. And Arya's like, well, why don't you just say yes? And Spencer says, because it's a pity toss. That's why. I've been gone for over a month. She probably offered to buy them a planetarium. Uh, and so right now, Spencer, she's chewing on her cookie. She's pouring coffee with both hands while like the phone's like in the crook of her neck. I mean, this is just showing off right now. Two things. Just imagine the Rosewood High Hastings Endowed Planetarium. <laughs> Where they just do like Pink Floyd laser light shows all the time. Secondly, I feel like right now off screen, if we never see Andrew again, I'd almost be okay with it. Because I feel like he's about to become mm-hmm. Rosewood High's, uh, I hope I'm getting the reference right, Frank Grimes. Where he's just constantly like like bad-mouthing the Pretty Liars everywhere he goes. And then eventually he'll die a horrible death. Well, Valedictorian, seriously, like I feel like she fell out of that race during like her multiple Dark Spencer sagas. Yeah. Like how how is she even in the running anymore? Uh, because they're going to all graduate with honors just to get them out. I mean, honors is one thing, but valedictorian, <laughs> like she's, is she even in the top 10 anymore? Like somewhere, Andrew, like if you hear she's getting valedictorian, he's going to like, his head's just going to explode. He's going to be in the, uh, the clock tower of a rifle for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, there's a, there's a perverse sick humor, like a gallows humor to, to Rosen High. After all, they do call this the best years of their lives. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And Ari's like, just do it. Please give me a freaking reason to go to graduation, which is like a weird line to say. I feel like that was uh, like, don't mind this exposition because our Spencer says, oh, really? Now you now you want to go to graduation? I thought your dad excused you from ever having to step foot in school again. Everybody got that. Uh, so Spencer, she packs up her pot cookie. She hears a door shut outside, and she's like, "Oh God, I have to run." And Ari's like, "What just happened?" Spencer says, "My mom just is just back from Kerr's, and I'm not having this argument with her after she pumped iron." Call you later, okay? Bye. She runs away. <laughs> she didn't put anything in that coffee. I guess she takes it black. Um, yeah, we really need Kurs. a scene of Veronica Kerr's pumping some iron with her client Caleb. Well, you do you do the uh, the same camera work, I think, from Hannah's dance, or you just keep like zooming in on Veronica's <laughs> face as she's like on the elliptical or doing the, the I don't know. Well, she's pumping some iron. I see a lot of those uh, those machines where it's like your your arms are spread out and kind of like coming together in front of you, like yeah, those, yeah, those kind of like, like I don't know what those are called, chest something or others. I see a lot of that. What's uh, really postmodern is that somebody is listening to this podcast while at the gym. <laughs> I see, I definitely see Caleb in in a like a sweatband there. I don't know why, but I can't get that image out of my mind. Uh, with like some kind of eighties workout, like some kind of fashion from like a Rocky movie. But he's mm-hmm. like he's like hunched over. He's like uh, motivating her, like do it. You can do this. Yeah, Pump three it. more, three Faster. more, two more, no, two more. Yeah, I know it hurts. Get it, get it. I don't know why Caleb's at the gym, but it feels right. Veronica's like, I need a pump. <laughs> that's it i know it hurts yeah i've seen a lot of movies veronica i know what i'm talking about <laughs> so then we go to hannah's kitchen uh we see uh some some hands gripping a giant coffee mug yeah uh, you're still laughing about that uh, yeah. i'm just still laughing about a plo like slash painting game <laughs> mashup toby's just like i cannot kill people i'm big i'm hot Okay, so yeah, uh, it's Mona, and it walks in and like gasps because like, Mona's always just like apparating into her house whenever she wants. She looks like a cross between like Jenna and her dark shades and like Jackie O in mourning. Oh, or like is... she has like a cloud personally hovering over her head everywhere she goes. She is Mona has definitely stolen like Jenna things look here. She's like you know the dark curly hair, like the wavy curves, the uh, the huge glasses, black clothing. Um, you know, I think we've seen her steal all of the liar's looks except for maybe Emily. I mean, she's definitely dressed like Hannah, Arya, and Spencer and Allie yeah. uh, at various points, but I don't think she's ever done Emily that I can recall. That's going to be a very I mean, maybe noticeable... Maybe Camp Mona? Would that count? Sort of? Eh, that, was very... still, that was still more Hannah-ish. Yeah, yeah, with the the big hair. Uh, that would be a very noticeably hard one to pull. Like, like, like Mona's not going to slip that one you know, under the radar. Mona's well, like, I, mean, I don't know where Emily gets those like giant knee high socks she wears constantly. I was her. just thinking about those, but I was just thinking like honestly, I guess she could just like tie like a flannel shirt around her mm-hmm. waist and boom, Emily. Yeah. Um, uh, meanwhile, Hannah looks lovely: black shirt, yellow pearlish necklace, white skirt that has. Like stylized either pineapples or golden grenades on them. Um, uh, the, the skirt really reminds me of that Andy Warhol banana yeah. painting. Um, yeah. It's not that, but that's what it looks like. It's like mostly white with these like yellow and black, you know, things on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's like giant yellow beaded necklace thing she has on. It's it's a strange look, but it's Hannah. I don't know if you see it in this scene, but later she has the matching she, yellow purse. She's yeah. a matching big ass yellow purse to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, of course, she, you know, gasps as she sees Mona just waiting for her. And she's like, God, Mona. And Mona's like, is this a bad time? 
<laughs> I think she might have said that when she uh, surprised Hannah, and she's be- better now as well. She just loves to show up. Like Mona is her her Janelle Parrish is acting here. She's great in this episode. This is definitely like recoiling Mona, but it's almost like she's acting. I don't know some kind of unseen by the audience, uh, uh, like improv suggestion for how she delivers her lines in the morning. I I have an idea of of what Mona's doing in this episode that I'll get to later. But okay, uh, I have a big theory about the end. But uh, yeah, so she's like, "Is this a bad time?" And Hannah's like, "When did you get back?" Mona's like nursing a cup of coffee in front of her, like you do in your processes and shit. She might as well have her traumatized victim blanket on. Mona's just like, "Late last night, I just saw your mom when she was leaving for work. She introduced me to that cop parked at your curb." And you know, Ashley Marin is like, "Oh shit, Mona, how nice to see you." Unrelated, did you notice that cop that's out front? Please don't kill me. Look at his gun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Hannah's like, "What's with the shades?" She goes to get some the water from the fridge. Well, because that's her like reflexive habit. Whenever anyone meets Hannah, she has to get a beverage out of the fridge. Like when yeah. anyone comes over. Yeah. Uh, but Mona's being like very kind of tense and timid. You know, mm. like you know, fragile here. And Mona's like, "Is that cop really here twenty four seven? She's so innocent. Obviously fishing." Mm. Uh, and Hannah's like, "Yep." And there's a bunch at school too. They stand outside the bathroom while he pee. Just imagine Toby outside the bathroom while you pee. Mm-hmm. For some people, that seems like an attractive idea. For some people, that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. You forgot to wash your hands. Yeah. And Mona's like, I wish we'd never come back here. And Hannah says, well, did you feel any better, any safer at the spa? And Mona In says... Saratoga, New York. Yeah. Well, presumably. Uh, <laughs> safer than I feel being in the same zip code as Allison, she says. And then Hannah's just like, Mona. And Mona's like, I send her to jail, Hannah, for months. There's no way she's not plotting some kind of revenge. And it's just her face is just like, are you for fucking real? She's like, that's what you're worried about. A is still out there. You've got bigger worries than Allison. Well, I love that there's no there's actually no touch of remorse to Mona. <laughs> it's really fear retaliation. Yeah. Mona says, yeah, I know. When I leave here, I have to go straight to the police station. They might still press charges against me for being dead when I wasn't. <laughs> and Hannah's like, well, that's not a crime. That's just stupid. That's just being stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just being stupid, faking your own death, LOL. Um, I, I feel like, though, this episode is having a discussion with the previous episode where Veronica's like, yeah, they just want to brush it under the rug or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, now that Andrew thing has fallen through, because this is what I was thinking. Well, now Tanner needs, needs someone. Yeah, when it says no hand, when there's a full-on investigation that costs the taxpayers more than our new sewer system, it's a crime. And I don't think I'll have any cops looking out for me. I'd really like to hear more about this uh, new sewer system. Um, I'd like to still hear more about Rosewood PD's fresh perspective. Yeah. So Hannah's like, they're looking for A. We all are. And Mona's like, even more reason for Allison to want to hurt me. <laughs> and Mona's really doing a great job maneuvering Hannah into her corner. I don't know that she really needs to do this, but she's definitely set up that, like, you know, paradigm now where, like, well, Hannah has to, like, you know, defend her. Well, it's brilliant logic, though, because she's keeps bringing up Allison and, and Hannah knows that that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it's painting a, a state of mind with that and Hannah's perception of Mona, I think. Oh, and it's, it's poor, scared Mona, you know, and Hannah, yeah, says, yeah. Hannah says, forget Allison. We have to track down anyone who ever had any contact with Charles De Laurentiis. Someone who worked at Radley has got to know something. And Mona's just like, I'm betting the father. And Hannah's like, he's no help. Allison is so embarrassed. She only leaves house nowadays to go to church. And Mona gives this like snort and smile. That's like, it's so much like the Jenna thing when she does it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And she's like, church, Allison. Hannah's like, don't get all judgy. She's just trying to move on. We all are. And Mona kind of nods and stands up. And she's like, well, will you at least drop me off at the precinct before school? I, I can't go in there alone, please. And Hannah's just, you know, exasperated. But, of course, she's going to do it. Um, yeah, she sighs in the acquiescence. Yeah, it's also- like Mona basically manipulated Hannah into, like, caring about her again. But mm-hmm. it's like, I don't think you needed to, Mona. Like, maybe maybe that's Mona's blind spot. She She doesn't trust hannah to just be a friend yeah uh so at allison's house speaking of which we see allison awake laying on the couch in her living room she can hear two guys talking outside i was going to suggest that we hasten's dinner theater this but these guys are horrible <laughs> i don't want to act out their dialogue no do you <laughs> i mean i have it if you want to do it i think i have it all here do you want to be cop number one or number two uh up to you all right, I'll be cop number one. Okay. Yeah, no, my shift started at 10. She hasn't left the house since yesterday, unless she dug a tunnel. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, with this little skank, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Who's protecting us from her? Yeah, seriously. I mean, how many people has she put behind bars? I think they should chain her to the bed. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so Allie gets up and walks over to the window and like pulls the drapes back to watch. So are you running second shift tomorrow? I think so. All right, yeah. Well, then see you then. Yeah. Sad Ellie lets the drapes fall back. Uh, there's a little classic little victim blaming there. You know, Ellie is falsely in prison. Her friends are kidnapped and tortured. Obviously, the cops need protection from her. This little this little girl that, that, mm-hmm. who's not, that they're not protected from climbed out of her own fucking grave. <laughs> yeah. Also, the thing about these two guys is they're going to go vote for Donald Trump without a doubt. These selfish me little cop boys. Um, yeah, so she kind of goes to the window, watches them leave, uh, get to Emily's bedroom. Sarah's on the phone of her mother. Uh, this is like <laughs> one of the starts of like the weird close-ups. Oh gosh, how do we do this? Well, Sarah, Sarah, we should mention her outfit. She's in like some skinny jeans, a white tank top, and like a light blue like button-up shirt. She's tied on over it, and also like some like high-top Keds. It's just another new look for Sarah Harvey. I mean, did she go buy these herself? Are these still Emily's clothes? These could easily be out of Emily's closet. Yeah. Because Emily never wears the same outfit yeah. twice. So Sarah's on the phone uh, in Emily's room here. Emily is not in the room currently. Mom, and... I, I, I can't talk to you when you're like this. Yes, you are. You're slurring your words. I'll call you later. Yeah. So that, that second half there is after Emily comes in, uh, having just taken a shower. Twist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's in bathrobe and towel. So... I think it's worth noting that she was talking, you know, quote unquote, mom before Emily entered the room. Mm-hmm. So if you think Sarah's acting, this is a very elaborate con because she didn't know Emily was even listening there. Right. Uh, so, she, yeah, she gets off the phone, walks into the foreground of the frame with like Emily in the background of the closet. Emily has like a pause, like she wants to change the energy in the room and obliterate like the taste of Sarah's mom from her mouth. She's like, so, hey. What do we say to go to the movies tonight if my mom comes with us? And- Ooh, chaperone, hell no. Yeah. Emily, I've got to go home. <laughs> Why? I thought you said your mom. I did, but now she wants me back. Emily just is like floored by this. Like, how dare your mom want you home? Does yeah. she think she can make some money off of you? What happened to you? Probably, but I have to deal with her. Or you could stop dealing with her altogether. Have, have you ever thought about getting legally emancipated? And then we get, uh, not for the first time, but for the first time I'm going to coin it, Sarah Face. <laughs> well, Sarah's pondering this, and Emily's just like, yeah, I'm straight up homewrecking now. 
Yeah. I uh, I gotta say in my own defense, if I had just watched this scene, I feel like I could master her voice a little bit better. This this poor act, this female actor, that we're like <laughs> just Davis. vilifying of her voice. Not even getting close. <laughs> I think that's all part of the fun. Yeah. So meanwhile, in Byron's office in Hollis, which he apparently still has, Arya's just like chilling on the couch, writing some stuff in a binder. And I think she's probably doing like schoolwork, right? Like she doesn't have to go to school, but she's, I don't know, just going to do whatever I she needs to graduate. Yeah, she still wants to graduate. But uh, I just thought to myself, remember when Allison and Arya trashed this office? <laughs> oh yeah i do that's all part of the meredith theory um, oh yeah but yeah i think aria is she's presumably just doing whatever schoolwork she needs to but she doesn't have to actually attend the class anymore right uh, so she's just gonna hang out at lame-ass byron's office constantly mm. um yeah anyway clark shows up uh he has the weirdest white shirt on with these tiny little gray feathers all over it mm. which i don't know if that's some sort of like signaling to aria there the feathers or is uh, it like one of, one of like it's like in the wardrobe of the department they're like mm-hmm. do we give the shirt to clark or do we give it to ezra yeah so he says hey or he's like hey how did you know and he's like i'm psychic that or you told me you'd be working your dad's office today all right he's like oh right <laughs> what's up and he says well i was looking over yesterday's photos and i need to rethink what i'm shooting uh backpack wise clark is one strapping it hmm yeah, and his jacket also says LTD on it. I'm not sure what that's about. Maybe that's just a, I don't know, fashion branding thing. Do you do you think it is indeed limited? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's some sort of weird denim thing. Anyway, um, why does he need to rethink his shooting? He says, I mean, my portfolio is starting to look like one of those calendars that bank hands out for free for Hearn. Uh, say one thing for Clark, he uh, knows how to self-analyze. Mm. he says i was thinking of taking a ride out to a junkyard on route 47 want to come you know in aria's world that's almost romantic yeah yeah or you know this guy you barely know wants to take you to a second location and the cops are supposed to be keeping tabs on you and there's a serial killer out there serial kidnapper after you you want to come i'm just saying just out to a junkyard whenever the word junkyard enters your vernacular my immediate response take a second thought my immediate response is always going to be no like no matter what a junkyard? No, no, thank you. No, yeah. no, thank you. No, no, thank you. Yeah, I mean, like, I almost wanted like a cameo by like Johnny in the background, like burning some art or something. Johnny Egg. Yeah. And Ari's like, uh, no, no, I shouldn't. I should stay here. I have a lot of work to do. And Clark's like, well, don't go into early retirement, girl. And she smiles. He's like, it wasn't blowing smoke. Your stuff was good. It's exactly the type of work they're looking for. I narrow. Ari's like, who's looking for? He's like, no, oh, didn't we talk about the contest? Or he's like, no, what what contest? And then Kramer comes in and is like, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> but are you still master of your domain? Uh, nice work dangling a little mystery in front of her, Clark. Very subtle moves. Uh, and so he says that the Cardio Fellowship, it's a cash prize and a summer internship in a magazine. Or he's like, where? And he says, in L.A. Yeah, I know it ain't Rosewood, but there are things worth photographing there, too. And he can do it in flip-flops. And then you see the wheels start spinning. What do we think Arya would love or hate L.A.? I'm not sure. I I don't know. But it is a thousand hundred million miles away from Rosewood, which is probably anything she would jump at. I mean, it's no. Yeah, I don't know if Arya's an L.A. type of girl. No, probably not. Hannah's probably more of an L.A. girl. But even Hannah, I think, would probably choose New York. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's fashion. Like, is he Emily? Emily? Emily's the California girl, right? Yeah, and that's what it feels like to me. 
Spencer's gonna like eventually retire to be like a like a logger in Alaska <laughs> or something. Just just to go under <laughs> the radar. With Dexter. Yeah, with Dexter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Clark is like, "Good luck with your work," and he gets up to leave. But you know his. His little tease there was successful because now she's she's curious and she's like, um, Clark, can we stop by my house? I need to grab my camera. He's like, yeah. And he just smiles. That was so easy. Yeah. yeah let's go to my house first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Ari. She's she's hopping back on the uh, I don't even know what the word the metaphor animal would be the horse or whatever here. Mm-hmm. Like not at all thinking not at all burned, you know, by like the Andrew stuff. I don't think she thinks she's hopping back on a, like a relationship horse, I guess. No, no, no. It's not, not that. It's just the, the letting essentially what is effectively a stranger into mm. your life. Yeah. Especially into your True. physical home. I mean, maybe she figures, oh, this guy's some college student. He couldn't possibly be involved in anything. Because it's an older man, so it's still sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the dealer into front porch, Allison is leaning against the banister of the steps of the front porch, taken in the morning. She's sipping on a large cup. She her shirt says twenty three on it, which is obviously a reference to the Illuminati. She's uh, um I mean it's basically kind of like a sweats look, you know. Um a little bit casual. <laughs> just more sad bastard alley faces here. Mm-hmm. Kenneth exits the house behind her and he's Speaking of sad bastards. Yeah, he's just had his morning cup of piss. Uh, he's like, <laughs> Why are you out here? Uh, she looks he's looking around like scowling waking up yeah you're an in your cup uh keep going uh now he's just like i just need some air and ken says if you're going stir crazy you can come with me to the office do your homework in the conference room no one will bother you but i hope you don't use the elevator it's dangerous and Allie's like, I'm fine here. I can always wear earplugs. I'm like, what office? Like your property management office or your other office that was like in a high rise somewhere? Where your son almost died. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, your dad just like kind of this questioning look at her. And she says, I overheard one of Rosewood's finest dissing me to another cop. Dissed. The horror. He does a head spin. She's well, never uh, sounded more like a teenager than, than that moment. Well, uh, well like, what? I'd let it go. And she, he just almost rolls her eyes at her. And he's like, it's kind of hard when someone's kicked you in the teeth before you've even brushed them. Allison, you have to own it. <laughs> Bad behavior has a way of catching up with you. And she's like, you would know. And they just glare at each other. And so he, and then he just walks back inside. It's like, so are you just not going to work today then? <laughs> you just give up. You're like, <laughs> screw this. I'm staying home. Like you were, you were going somewhere, presumably, Kenneth. But then he just went right back inside. He's gonna go look at himself in the mirror and tell himself to own it. I mm-hmm. mean, in any other context, Kenneth's like, "I hope you own it." Would practically, I have to own it. Would be a motivational poster. But then we get this. Uh, he gives us this shitty look. Proceeds, but then we get this amazingly like lo- like low angle shot of Allison's tiny, the wide expanse of the house and the sky above her. Mm-hmm. I really like that shot because it's. In the context, you you kind of feel how how small and insignificant Alice is, but it's I don't know, it's just to me, it's beautifully composed. Well, um, it also has that horror movie vibe. It's another kind of yeah. angle there, definitely reminiscent of you know, old. But in, in this context, movies. it's like a he's just gonna climb down the side of the house with a knife in his teeth <laughs> or his his what is it, uh, balaclava. <laughs> so did what? you have to Google that? I figure, I, I feel like you would have known what a balaclava is. I no, and the, and at first I found somebody else's typo on Twitter at first, and I was like, "Why are they talking about I'm Arlene and baklava?" Mm-hmm. Which is delicious. Yeah. 
No, I mean basically it's a it's a fancy ski mask. A ski mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess I wasn't up to all the latest ski mask lingo. Mm-hmm. I am now. Well, it's it's like a ski mask that like only like assassins use, basically, as far as I know. Um, anyway, we cut to the brew. Mona walks in, almost an extreme close up to the front of the shot, mm-hmm. uh, and then Hannah approaches behind her. We see there's like an extra in the back, like throwing some shade and glaring at uh, Mona here. Well, it it's like Bergman meets Brian De Palma for a minute there. Uh, it was it's a fascinating like composed image because like the the one chick is there who will show up as an extra or background artist in the next scene. But like yeah, Bethany Young. Mona, yeah, Bethany Young. Then Mona and then Hannah kind of completes the line. It's it's really interesting. Um, the Hannah's like, do you want a latte? And Mona's like, I don't care. Just order. Hurry. Well, the, the way she says it, she's like, I don't care. Just order. Hurry. Yeah. I think Mona is actually channeling wounded Hannah in her delivery right now. It's Why like, like Mona shot? doesn't know how to be fragile herself. Uh-huh. And so she's just using Hannah's mannerisms to communicate it. Yeah. I would not be shocked if the stage direction said trembling here. Um, yeah. She said, yeah, a little worried crumbling. Hannah's like, I thought you weren't in a rush to go to the police. And then off screen, we hear Leslie say, Mona? Leslie Stone. Remember her, the redhead, Mona's friend? Uh, and yeah, so we look, you know, behind them, Leslie Stone's standing there kind of glaring. Mona raises her glasses. She seems very happy to see uh leslie and she's like leslie oh my god uh, leslie doesn't seem so happy in return <laughs> mona says that's, that's what are you doing in it. rosewood and leslie says i was summoned by the police and she's like bitch face mode and mona's like what why leslie says what do you mean why you made an, me an accomplice to a crime mona's like but you didn't do anything leslie says yes i did i made the mistake of complimenting a stranger on her dolce and gabbana stretch pants uh, poor Mona, her happy face just melts away here. Leslie's just tearing her new asshole. She says, and now everything that I worked for, my fellowship, my teaching position, my reputation, they're all in jeopardy because I actually saw you as the victim. You, you conniving little bitch. Uh, her teaching position? I thought you were like a sophomore or something. Apparently she's working on it. Yeah. The girl's uh, got ambitions. And it's just her. like, whoa, easy. This is her first day home. How dare you hurt Mona Vanderwall's feelings, Leslie? Yeah. She's wearing dark sunglasses, you bitch. Yeah, we're very protective of our supervillains here in Rosewood. Yes, we and are. Leslie's like, sorry, I forgot the champagne. And Hannah's like, get a grip, Leslie. Mona never made up that plan to hurt you. And Leslie's like, really? You think I actually wanted perjury on my resume? Like, it would be perjury. No, Hannah nails it with. I don't know what that means, but I really don't like your tone. Hannah Marin for president. And Leslie says, who gives a crap what you like? You bag of hair. LOL, 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 LOL. And that's where I just died. Yeah. <laughs> you bag of hair. Uh, and even funnier than that, it's just like Hannah's face has this like I'm not even going to dignify that with a response look. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> like, even bitch, bother to. Two ponder. of my best friends killed people. Who are you talking to? Yeah, yeah. I feel like if I was in Hannah's position, I would be completely divorced from the brutality of it because I would be like bag of hair. I I was listening. I think it was the Cabernet podcast where they're saying that it's like a a local like expression in Philadelphia or something. Bag of hair? I don't know. I mean, I... I <laughs> That's I, what they said. I'm not from I, Philly. Myself I can't have say. said, oh, so-and-so is just a haircut. I've never said so-and-so is just a bag of hair. Well, now you're going to start. You bag of hair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hannah is like... I feel like in the past, she might have like thrown down here, but instead, she's like 
she's matured, you know? She's like, Ooh. I don't have time for this horseshit. She looks off like she's trying to, I don't know, express the energy out of her body in another way. Or mm-hmm. maybe she's trying to distract her while she reaches into that giant yellow purse and gets off some brass knuckles. But Mona seems really hurt and distressed by the drama and this negative energy. And Mona's just like, guys, stop. Leslie, I'm sorry about all this. I swear. I'll call you later. Unless he says, don't. If you ever try to reach out to me or mention my name to anyone ever again, you will live to regret it. I believe in payback, too. You bag of hair. Leslie's uh, operating at like 12 and a half here. Yeah. And I need yeah. her at like 12 and three fourths. And she kind of splits right between Mona and Hannah and pieces out. And they both turn and watch her go. Mona looks so sad. Hannah just looks like she has a suspicious guard up here. Well, no, she pours through them and they turn back and look at us. And we're right back into deceptively another one of these amazingly too close close ups. Yeah, the the. The lens is wider, I think, or maybe it's just closer than we're used to seeing. Like it's there's, you know, a little bit of the distortion there because it's it's such a wide angle. Here's the bullshit rumor that I want to start. Mm-hmm. This episode was filmed intending to be in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> that would have nothing to do with wide angle lenses, but sure. Um, but yeah, but, the, uh, these close-ups are fascinating. I mean, it's but, it's definitely like these weren't an accident. Like they they wanted these kind of disturbingly too close shots in this episode yeah like a lot of things on this show though i could almost smell a narrative where leslie's the star of another show and we can understand this outburst i love elizabeth mclaughlin's role i know a lot of people hate her but i think she's amazing but also look at it this way she could have slapped those sunglasses clear off mona's face <laughs> instead she just insulted hannah bag of hair uh, so later on, we're in the school hallway, uh, walking towards the quad. Hannah is trailing Spencer. Spencer's on her phone, sexting, uh, as Hannah's behind her, just kind of unloading. Uh, just watching Spencer walk kind of absentmindedly, there's just like this touch of a swing in her step. Mm. Uh, I like the way she steadies herself on a, a door handle as she walks by. Like, she's not quite all there. Well, it's, it's also like... Uh, uh... From like a structural TV point standpoint, like never mind the ad friend stop cyberbullying poster in the background. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way to to use the set they have. I don't think we've ever seen them like the way they come down the hallway into the courtyard just like this. But uh, we should point out that this scene that we're about to talk about is fucking perfect. Oh, it's seen so much fun, and you can tell they're having a lot of fun doing it too. Yeah. Hannah's just like kind of chattering on the background. She says, I mean, she acts like being questioned by the police is the same thing Mona's been through. And then she turns it on me. Me. I'm like, hello, I should have been biting your head off, freak. You're the one who testified against me. Am I wrong? And Spencer's just kind of like smirking to herself as she's like sexy. Classic away. Peter yeah. Hastings. Yes, totally. It's total Peter Hastings power move. Uh, and Hannah's like, okay, unless you're texting me the answer, you're rude. <laughs> and spencer finally turns she's like what i'm sorry um they sit down at the table and spencer says toby's not back till monday that's a really long time to wait and it's like wait for what and then we just get like super sexy spencer smirk here uh, and Hannah's just like ew why would you say that spencer's but spencer, like i didn't say anything i just smiled and then she clearly, smiles again <laughs> she's clearly so happy to have revealed that spencer is horny as fuck in this episode yeah yeah uh, yeah, there's that that little knowing smile she gives. It's just so so filthy. It's wonderful. Yeah. And Hannah says, "Well, your cup may runneth over, but mine is bone dry." Nice imagery. Mm-hmm. Spencer's like, "Ew, why? Did you and Caleb have a fight?" And Hannah says, "No, we don't even fight anymore. He treats me like some cracked egg that fell out of a robin's nest." 
Uh, and then her phone rings and she checks it and Spencer's kind of eyeing her and she's like, who's that? And Hannah says, Mona. She's scared of Allison and Leslie Stone now. Uh, I don't believe that Mona is scared of anyone, personally. Uh, That's not the... So, like, we talked about last week's episode, which was great. Mm-hmm. But, like, this this episode is the Allison that I prefer. The one who's mischievous and raw and mean and, and defiant and rebellious, but also backed into a corner because that's where she likes her enemies to misjudge her and put her mm-hmm. the same thing of like this isn't the mona that we like well I, I think we'll see by the end of the episode that uh yeah, mona, yeah. mona's up something uh so spencer's just like Ugh, just stay out of it spencer has no time for this latest red herring of leslie stone here mm-hmm. and hannah says hell no leslie's a freaking lunatic who needs a serious reality check she called me a bag of hair <laughs> she says mona was locked in a hole by someone who's still out there her friend should forgive her Spencer says, that's not staying out of it. And, and it's like, Spencer, we can't have Mona quaking in her boots when we need that boot to kick the doors down at Radley. I mean, I'm not going back there to that shredding place, and Mona knows Radley more than any of us. And Spencer says, does she have any idea who could be posing as Allie's dead brother? And uh, as she's saying this, she takes out that bag of pot cookies right in the middle of school here. Mm-hmm. Just like not caring at all. Call the cops. I mean, if, if you can apparently buy the valedictorian ship at the school, like, is there anything Spencer Hastings can't do? Spencer's, like, last few weeks at high school are just her perpetually dropping the mic in one way or another. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And so uh, Hannah's like, don't say dead. Charles isn't dead until we find it. It isn't dead dead until we find something to prove it. Spencer just gives her a look. Hannah she gives her a very sassy, cookies. like, Spencer eyes look. Well, mm-hmm. Hannah reaches one of those cookies, as is Hannah's want. And Spencer's like, uh, and she smacks Hannah's hand. <laughs> she slaps it away well, like a cat. Remember when uh, remember when she confiscated Emily's cookie at the mm-hmm. fun drive? But mm-hmm. Hannah's like, ow, what is wrong with you? And Spencer's like, it's not your cookie. And Hannah's like, okay, first you're sexing Toby like a dog in heat. And then you're gumming at your dessert like my grandma and Miss Regina. How mm-hmm. long do you want that cookie to last? Spencer's like, we're not talking about me, okay? Even though she can tell you she's nervous. She's trying to push it away. The subject is Charles. It's not going to be easy breaking the rally. With or without Mona. And well, Hannah will not Can we just, can we just ponder the, uh, the Toby sex for a moment? So... Uh, I wanted to start a petition to get you to read like boys to men lyrics in Toby voice. But then I just started, I Google image search sex messages because I wanted to see if I could get you just to read some in Toby voice. Why did you image search that? I figured it'd just be the quickest way to like get some brief exchanges, but they're all like just fucking terrible. Well, we should mention too that Spencer did pop some more cookie in her mouth there. So she's like actively getting high at school right now. Yeah, um, but yeah, like Spencer, I just figured out what the eggplant emoji means. I need to go back and read our last five texts. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Hannah, Spencer's like trying to act real casual. Hannah's like studying her now because there's you know she senses something's up. I feel like Toby sends a lot of those. That one where it's like just like the three water drops. Oh god, <laughs> that's just filthy. Uh, but yeah, Spencer is just full of sexual energy in this episode. Like every scene she's in, you feel like she's about to make out with like whatever character she's in a scene with or object. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Hannah's like, are you buzzed? And Spencer's like, what? No, Hannah, focus. And Hannah says, you have that same look in your eyes as this girl in my government class who hums and makes chokers out of paper clips. Is it Arya? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spencer's like, I'm not humming. I'm just, I'm missing Toby. And Hannah says, well, Dr. Oz says sex is a drug too, Spencer. 
Maybe you should figure that one out. Honestly, Hannah, who cares what that fucking quack says? Well, yeah, Hannah drops that truth bomb and then gets her shit and leaves. And Spencer's like left to ruminate on it. Yeah, like, I'm amazed that that guy is still on the air after he had to appear in front of the United States Congress to confirm that, yes, he is a lying piece of shit. <laughs> um, but so unless I'm wrong. This is only the third or maybe fourth time that the show has actually had the characters talk about sex to each other. It doesn't happen too often, yeah. Uh, the only ones that I could think of were Arya talking about the sacredness of Ezra's fucking bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah probably revealing that she and Caleb had sex in the tent. Uh, and then last season when Arya and Mrs. Spencer that she and Ezra had a slip twice. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating that Arya's not even in this scene. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad she wasn't. I, I'm sure she would have had some great reactions. But yeah, I mean, the, I, you know, the characters are a bit older now. The actors are obviously older. It, this episode seems a little more, I don't want to say mature necessarily, but a little more adult themes than usual. Well, and plus, I don't remember which writer now, but I believe I've seen the soundbite from one of their interviews saying that the post-Time Jump world will have mm-hmm. a touch of the sex in the city. So I imagine we're somewhat gearing our audience up for that. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of the, you know, audience who started watching this show, you know, they're in the demographic where they used to be teenagers and now they're in their early 20s. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense to move the show in this direction. And though I, I don't think it'll happen, I would not care if PLL became a show about women in their 20s who take off work in the middle of the day to have mimosas. <laughs> that would be awesome. I don't know who would become the Samantha or the Carrier or whatever, but that's that's something for someone else to debate. So, in me- meanwhile, at the junkyard barn photo shoot, this place... <laughs> Cut to a junkyard full of terrifying old shit. This place is kitschy as fuck. Um, There's uh, one of those like little like weird... Thing, like I don't even know what to call it. The thing that Tom Hanks makes a wish to to get big and big. Like That thing's in the background. There's like <laughs> some like random old... Um, those like fake horses you would like ride on a, a merry-go-round. I would love it if Winston the volleyball was back there too. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a gigantic, creepy, weird clown head, like this oh. bald clown head. Yeah, um, Arya's arranging like creepy dolls in front of like some like glass bottles and just like random junk. And Clark's and, and just Clark, like, well, he asks her the question that I'm amazed it took him this long to ask. Well, first he says, "I like," which bullshit. Uh, but yeah, and he says, "Are uh, dolls your thing? Just, just run, Clark." Seriously, uh, Ari says, "No, actually, I find them pretty creepy, but um, it's this new thing I'm trying, embracing the creepy." Oh, just, just embrace the meta-ness of that. Ari Montgomery embracing the creepy. Well, it's like I love the way she delivers the line too, because it's like she's actually finally analyzed her behavior mm-hmm. for the last few episodes out loud to herself. Yeah. Um, the image that she's composing is legitimately freaky. One of the dolls looks lethargic. The other is laying on its side, looking passed out and its <laughs> hands are bound. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, other bound in twine. What like, the fuck? Are you going to like smile over her shoulder at Clark sweetly and just be like, I'm into rough shit. I mean, if Arya isn't, you know, A right now, I feel like it, you could very easily say, like, in after the time jump, she'll be the new A. Like, she's just completely lost her mind. That would be amazing. Yeah. Also, Arya is the one, when we talk about, like, the farcical horror moviness and, and composition of this episode, she is the one who, out of the four, legitimately acts like she's the secret reveal, like, horror creature. Yeah. She's so going to do it in this scene alone, yeah. She's going to take some pictures here. In the background, that giant fucking head turns to look at Arya. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. It's creepy as shit. 
Yeah. Like um, I don't know. Is it's, does that thing have like a camera inside it? I don't know. It's I mean, it's very subtle. You you almost might not notice it the first time you watch it. But mm-hmm. yeah, that head's watching. Uh, so Arya takes some shots. She goes around to like rearrange the dolls and shit. And Clark's just like, oh, I get it. I um did this project last year. Where I took vegetables and did a photo progression as they rotted. And Arya says, that sounds pretty cool, which is a lie. Uh, How'd it turn out? And he says, I had a smelly apartment, a major fruit for life problem. But other than that, it was okay. And she's rearranging some junk. And he just like randomly takes a picture of her. Which makes her like freeze up and frown. Like, what the fuck? The shusher does not care for that. Yeah, she's like, what are you doing? And he says, sorry, uh, the shadow across your face. I just couldn't help myself. She comes around. Well, she comes around the shelf staring at him, unblinking. And for a moment, I thought she was going to like pull out a knife and stab this poor kid to death. Well, it's super awkward. And so, I mean, this is, this is Aria. Like, I thought this was like a scene from Plate Misty for me. I honestly did. Like, (laughs) she looks like, like she's just revealed or really realized that she has to eliminate this poor guy before her secret gets out. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, this is the perfect time for Clark to say, uh, hey, in honor of us diving into things that scare us, would you be up to having (laughs) dinner with me tonight? Which, like, was it really the best time to ask, like, right after he took a creep shot of her that she clearly didn't like? Well, also, to, to, <laughs> to non-sedentially refer to how terrifying the girl also is mm-hmm. in your proposal. Yeah. So because she, you scared the fuck out of me. You want to, you know, get together? Yeah, Zarya, she kind of winces and looks down and she says, uh, Clark, that's a really nice offer. But I can't. And he nods. He's kind of, you know, handling his rejection better than Lucas anyway. Mm. And Ari says, I'm just, I'm not dating, at least not for a while. This past year has been really difficult without having to go in all the details. And Clark's just like, no, I know. I recognize you from the news. I didn't want to bring it up when we first met. I figured it's probably hard enough for you. I like how, like, yeah, they, pe- people know these girls now. Yeah. Uh, and the the way this is framed, uh, another interesting decision here where it's like they're completely in like side profile shots rather than like the over the shoulder for this part of the conversation. It's just like total profile shot of Arya staring at him, you know, back to profile of him looking at her. And um, maybe this is a little bit on, on the nose, but, you know, the photographers here, both these shots are extremely shallow depth of field shots, which we don't normally get a lot of bokeh in the background there. I feel like that is maybe just a reference to the the photography that they're doing right now. It's interesting you mention it because I'm thinking of when this kind of framing of Argus head was most prominent to me. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I search my visual database is uh, when Arya hired Veronica as her lawyer. Hmm, okay. There was that weird profile shot as she's, you know, having the, the intricacies of the law explained to her. <laughs> Sliding over that dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, he says, I apologize. And she's like, you don't have to. He walks off. And you can tell that Arya's not cool at this. But I felt like Clark, never mind the re- the oddly timed, like, asking out of the date. But, like, his handling of this was so much better than than some of the others who <laughs> were trying to process them. Like, he's not shoving a notepad and a pen into her hand or anything like that or or being like hey you're safe here i promise you, you're safe here let me ask you a thousand questions about how safe you are here yeah. well it's interesting that you know he says you know i didn't want to make you self-conscious i apologize and it's like she's trying to be kind she kind of shrugs she's like oh, you don't have to um and i think she means that and he walks off and she she tries to smile but it's like it just doesn't stick on her face no. you know but uh, but okay. i don't think she's necessarily like like mad at him it's just no. like this is this is her emotional you know reality right now yeah exactly exactly uh 
I have it later in my notes, so I kind of think it's funny you brought it up here. What I think is interesting about Clark is they could have dressed it up and brought back, unfortunately, like Lucas to oh, fill God. the same role. And I'm so glad That'd they did. Terrifying. I'm so glad they didn't. Oh, I mean, maybe they could have brought like coked up Lucas back. <laughs> Dark like Lucas. DJ Lucas. Just merge all of the styles into like sweaty, like uh, chin strap beard mm-hmm. Lucas with his mythical, mysterious girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so in Allison's living room, she's there with Lorenzo. She's got like a binder of stuff in front of her that they're discussing. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's kind of disproving. And she's like, uh, there's bike rides and lake activities. I mean, there's even an overnight. And he's like, you're not scared of being in the woods after sundown, are you? Is this and- your idea of flirting, Lorenzo? Because uh, you done goofed. Uh Looks like a male model, huge, huge dork. Uh, she's like, no, I have been in the woods. Girl has been I'm... in some woods, bro, more than you have. Yeah, yeah, into the woods. <laughs> Not out of the woods yet, but we are into the woods. Uh, she's like, I just don't think I'm going to you know, be going back without a police escort. They're watching me all the time. And he's like, they're watching out for you, Allison. You're not the person they're trying to catch. Look, if you don't want to do it. And she's like, it's not that I don't want to do it. I just, and he's like, do you remember the church alley? I recommended you for this. No one gave any pushback, and she sells the fuck out of, seriously? <laughs> and he says, well, there are a few people who didn't say yay right away, but I took advantage of the silence. And then he takes advantage of this changing conversation to go sit next to her on the couch. Yeah. And takes a binder out of her hands. Um, you know, Heather Hogan's recap, she fucking hates this guy. I can't even muster up the uh, the energy to care about this guy, but it was pretty funny to read her take on this guy. Um, I think she calls him Lorenz No. Yeah. And Ali says, I really believe you can make, or I'm sorry, Lorenzo says, I really believe you can make a difference with these kids. It's just yawn. Like, I'm, I'm like the church flirting nonsense, just not feeling it. Like, where's Ali? This is not the, uh, this is not the moment in the episode where I hate Lorenzo the most. That's to come. But so the, the, obviously a door opens somewhere else in the house and she <laughs> and, looks off thinking like, well, this is about to happen. And, and then, then Kenneth DeLorenzo saunters in, I'm home. He's got his briefcase in one hand, jacket in the other, pissed, drinking smirk on his face. And Allie says, hey, Dad, uh, you remember Lorenzo? And Lorenzo's like, hey there. And Kenneth is like, hello. Is that your idea of a replacement? thought if you lodge a complaint about one cop, you could swap him out for someone closer to your own age. Oh, shit. Uh, is that line in there just to make us not feel totally skeeved that she's dating an older guy? I don't know. Well, it's it makes me hate Kenneth more. Well, I mean, do you need a reason? Kenneth, <laughs> he killed his wife. Uh, I hope you don't hate me. Yeah. Also, have you tried a piss cleanse? Allie's like, that's not what I told you. Kenneth is like, you claim that cop insulted you. And Allie's like, he did. Lorenzo's like, whoa, wait, who did? Well, it's like, uh, Lorenzo, like, you're missing some of the subtext here. <laughs> yeah, really. And Kenneth's like, uh, you can leave now. Thank you. I hope you depart the promises so I might continue to verbally shame my daughter. Allie's like, why? And says, the last time I checked, this was still my house. Goodbye, Lorenzo. So Lorenzo grabs his bag and he just gets the fuck out of there as Allie and her dad glare at each other. I wanted uh, Allie here to be like, actually, dad, it's technically Jason's house. Yeah. Uh, you're basically just squatting here because he allows you to. Yeah. Because he doubted himself <laughs> so much about the ownership of the house. Yeah. So then so we're going to. Yeah, we're going to cut to uh, Caleb Rivers Esquire here. He's got a notepad and he's writing on it for his new clients, uh, Emily and Sarah Harvey. Teen hacker, career counselor, party bro, ghost hunter, former inhabitant of the walls of Rosewood High. Yeah. Life coach. <laughs> yeah, life coach. Barrister. Uh, 
<laughs> brain surgeon. Yeah. Caleb says, oh, I'm sorry. You should, I guess you can do Caleb all attempts, Sarah. Okay. Do you have anything that you might want to put in a resume? Any small job you had before? Uh, I mean, I babysat for my neighbor's kids. That, uh, that may not be enough. And Emily says, Caleb, she was 14 when she ran away from home, which does not add up. No. Like, did she run away from home two years before she got kidnapped? Well, I, I mean, know. it's really annoying when like details like that. Get unless she's up. actually 16. But he, he, he says she's almost 18 now later, though. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Emily says she's looking to be emancipated. No one expects her to have started a hedge fund. No, but they do expect her to have a job where she can support herself and a high school diploma, said the guy who dropped out of high school. We should go. I wanted her to say I need a shower. That line makes me laugh every single time. Oh, we should go. Uh, yeah, what about your job, Caleb? Aren't you just leeching off your rich mom? Yeah, so Emily's like, no, wait, Caleb. You were able to do this. Yeah, and that's how I know it's not an easy process. Look, if you're only a couple months away from turning 18, I would just say you should go home and wait it out. Emily's like, no, she's not waiting it out. She's lost enough time. Every moment is precious. Hey, Emily, there are easier ways to get laid. <laughs> Caleb gives her this look like, so we're talking about you now, right, Emily? <laughs> yeah. See, I I really, it's not that I hate Lorenzo. It's that I can understand the vitriol, so some of his actions and his the way he looks at things. But Emily is not coming on. I just don't think though. Lorenzo has enough of a character to really hate more than just like the idea of him. I don't know. He's Yeah, he's a vehicle for another character to drive to a certain point in their life. But uh, it's Emily's not coming off great in the Sarah Harvey storyline. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think all of it is just like Emily is obviously using her as like an emotional crutch to, you know, process her own trauma. She's just got to take care of Sarah Harvey. Yeah. Um, and, and completely and build up her agency by stealing Sarah's. Um, so meanwhile, at the junkyard Pinterest photo shoot minus mason jars. Yeah. More creepy ass, like burned, like doll, you know, heads and whatnot. Aria walks up to adjust them and one of the heads just falls off. And like makes that, a crying noise. That is your your review of this episode in one sentence. Oh, uh, I wonder. I mean, they had to plan that too. Like, I'll oh, just have the doll's head fall off. That'll be funny. And it makes oh. like a like a doll crying noise. Also, uh, it's like the set direction was like, you know, what we need here. It's a funhouse mirror in the background. Yeah, yeah. There's a funhouse mirror too. That's great. And Arya just kind of she sets the dolls back up, and she's you know looking at it, judging her shot here. Uh, she holds her camera up and then we can see off to the side in the reflection of the funhouse mirror and a little black hoodie just walked by and Arya notices it too and she spins around alarmed but she doesn't see anything and then she looks back and sees Clark is behind her and he's been shooting in that direction that she thought she just saw the black hoodie uh, and also meanwhile that fucking giant clown head is like staring right at her mm. like is there like a camera inside this thing or something I mean, this thing's eyes are almost as big as Arya's eyes. <laughs> uh, so Arya, she's, you know, freaked out. She goes and runs in the general direction of what, where she thought she saw the hoodie. Mm. It's like inside this warehouse. There's like more creepy junk inside. There's a nice atmosphere to this warehouse, I thought. Yeah. Or yeah. I, I would say the exterior parts of this scene were maybe too much or mm -hmm. or. Too much or so perfectly Aria. That's so Aria. Whereas the inside, I felt like there was a lot of atmosphere. Um, yeah, so she starts to investigate. And then like a shelf just like tips over right in front of her. Almost purposely, one would think. Yeah, and a bunch of shit falls off and there's a big crash. 
Uh, Clark rushes in because he, he kind of was watching her go inside a little concerned. So he rushes in now and he's like, what just happened? And Arya, she's freaked out, but she tries to like throw on this casual smile, even though she's still breathing hard. And she's like, nothing, nothing. It was my fault. And he's like, okay. Uh, he seems to buy this and just like gives her some space. And Arya's looking back at that tip shelf and just gets the fuck out of there. I mean, I, if I was Clark, I would be maybe like, how did you do that? <laughs> how was that your fault? But then again, that's like question 150 of all the questions Clark should be asking Arya at this point. Yeah. So after commercial, we are in some sort of like NA meeting or something like that. Some sort of, you know, attic meeting. Some middle-aged dudes giving his sob story as Spencer ducks into the back of the room. There's like um, maybe six or seven people here. It's a very yeah. small meeting. So this guy says, I thought about blowing it off. There are only so many family dinners he can skip. So I went, and the question started. I told everyone I lost my job, and I was actively looking for another. I came so close to raiding my sister's medicine chest. Then I realized I had already delivered the bad news. Nobody blinked. Putting it out there right away it helped. Uh, so as he's rambling on about this, Spencer, she's in the he's background. a visual love affair with the brownies. Well, she sits table. down, listens to two seconds of this guy's story, is immediately bored. Uh, so she looks back at the refreshment table and she sees some brownies there. So she grabs one because she has munchies mm-hmm. uh, and she takes a bite of the brownie. And uh, then she hears like new bro start a spiel. And it's it's Dean. Sober coach Dean. Was it Dean Stavros? Was that his name? I think it was Dean Stavros. Yeah. 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 Spencer has to interrupt her double fudge brownie murder. to listen to, to Dean. Oh, I like the way like, her face oh, freezes mid, you know, chew. Yeah. And she realizes that it's Dean. He says, oh, I'm Dean. and I'm an addict. Uh, it's really lame ass sober coach. And everyone's, everyone's like, like, hi, Dean. Hi, hi, Dean. Yeah. And so she's sitting behind him. He hasn't seen her yet. And she's just, he knows she's thinking like, must get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says, I just got back from a family event myself. My older brother's wedding. I have a lot of the same issues that Sheldon has. Some old grudges and some new ones. I could feel everybody wondering if I was high. And I really wanted like, I was when I found out Dean was going to be in this episode. I wanted him to be completely off the wagon. Like I wanted him to be like missing half of his teeth and like clearly a meth head or something. I, I thought that would have been hilarious. I think that is to come. Really? I yeah, we'll get into it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, Dean says, you know, expecting me to be the same person that showed up to anything without a buzz on. Uh, so Spencer's quietly trying to get up and retreat. Also, and, and grab a donut for the road. Grab a little powdered sugar donut. And then Sheldon there is just like, excuse me, the refreshments are for after the meeting. Well, also, it's like, hey, Dean, or hey, Sheldon, way to respect Dean's narrative. Yeah. <laughs> and so Spencer's busted, and it's just like, and then Dean turns around and sees her, which is even worse, you know, and uh, he just kind of, yeah, he smiles at her, and Spencer's like, sorry, and she puts the donut back and sits back down, mortified. Like, this has got to be worse than going through Arya's trash. But she's, she's, she's going to yeah, gut it out. I wanted her to almost, like, curtsy before she sat. <laughs> really? But but Sheldon's like, no, look, Dean, I know I know how important it is for you to share with us, but God damn it, I bought those enemies. Yeah. And she's not walking out with that powder Spencer's donut. Spencer's like, yeah, well, your brownies suck. Yeah. Um, so cut to the dark room. Um Clark here is pulling out like a whole like stack of like film rolls out of a canister because they do everything old school here. Well, because there's there's two things that PLO knows that teens are into sexting, mm-hmm. shooting pictures on film. Yeah. Uh, and Clark says, OK, I've got a little overboard overboard. Uh, I've got eight rolls in here. And Arya has such a happy smile. 
uh, and just at the thought of this. And she says, well, here, I'll help you hang him up. You know, give me a couple. So he gives her some rolls and he says, thank you. She goes over to like a clothesline and starts hanging these up and kind of brushing the, the developer off. Well, and, uh, you know, so Norbuck had said that one of his influences for his last two peel episodes were, of course, Antonioni movies, uh, in particular, like Red Desert. But uh, I think he just said today or yesterday on Twitter that, of course, like Blow Up was one of those mm-hmm. references too, yeah. which you can't help but feel as Arya gets into photography in this whole storyline. Yeah. So as, as she's drying off the negatives here, she's looking at them as well. And she spots something, you know, she's looking for that shot Clark might have gotten in the black hoodie. So. She she pulls out her little like magnifying lens and like looks at one and it's a negative. So it's kind of hard to tell, but it looks like maybe there's a, you know, black hoodie in the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Clark notices that she's like studying this photo and he says, Aria, you want to wait till they dry? You're making me nervous. And Aria kind of forces a laugh and she's like, no, they look great. Trying to be casual, but she's clearly like she's amped now. You know, she's just discovered something. Mm. Uh, so she spins around, heads to the door. and He's like, where are you going? She says, I just have to make a quick phone call. Because there's one thing Arya does well. It's subtle. I mean, you would think by now Clark would have caught on to how there's like a just a personal nimbus of like squirrely creepiness that follows Arya everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. She's always going to be acting like He's this. like, you're a very special ball of energy. <laughs> so Arya, um, she goes out in the, call, in the hall and she gives uh, Emily a phone call. Uh, uncomfortably close. A series of close-ups of both of them and their separate scenes. Uh, she's called Emily. Emily's just like, Arya? We see that Emily's over at Caleb's of Sarah still. She's opened Caleb's door and she's is like just out in the standing hall. in the yeah. doorway projecting her side of this conversation out into the hallway. <laughs> so Arya, in full Arya panic mode, is Clark, Clark may have taken a picture of A. And Emily's like, whoa, slow down. Who's, Who's Clark? Clark? <laughs> Arya's like, like, you were one to talk, Emily. Yeah. Who's Sarah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy that I met in the hospital lab. We, we, we went to a junkyard and took some pictures. And I'm pretty sure the A followed us there. And Emily's like, and Clark got A on camera by accident. But I, I, I examined the negatives and without looking like a freak, or I can't examine the like a freak, so maybe I should just tell him what's going on. And, and I was like, no, don't. And she kind of looks back, makes sure no one heard this outburst. I'm sure the neighbors heard it. And Emily's like, Arya, if you say anything, Sarah's going to be the one who gets targeted. Arya is okay with those odds. And Arya's like, I'm the, the one being followed. I left Rosa for an hour and A was all over it. And Emily's like, why don't you just print the pictures out and we'll look at them. And Arya's like, they're not mine, Em. A simple tenets of ownership. Yeah. And Emily's like, so borrow them, okay? Clark's not going to miss them for one night. Arya's like, I got to go. And she just like hangs up and runs back to the room. Yeah, so does Emily. Uh, they're both just thinking, man, I can't believe Hannah and Spencer are having all the fun in this episode, and we're stuck in these bizarre, quasi-romantic, like, sea well, plots. It's always funny when Emily is, is handcuffed to Arya. Like, I'm thinking about the college admissions essay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so Emily shuts Caleb's door, heads back over to them. Caleb, well, the, the, the way, way the door shuts, uh, it's like, she shuts it, like, right on the camera. It's this very deliberate shot, uh, mm-hmm. which is, everything in this episode just feels like a wink at, like, horror tropes. Yeah, uh, so uh, uh, Caleb still has like the red and black splotches in the corner of his apartment. By the way, he's like, yeah. When are you gonna paint that, Caleb? That I mean, is that art? What is that? Yeah, and he's like everything okay, and she's like yeah, it's all good, and he's just like okay. Well, he just he just stares at her for an extra second, like yeah. <laughs> it's not not his first rodeo in dealing with whenever these girls get a phone call. Yeah, he, he just stares at her for an extra second to let her know that he knows. And he's just like okay. Because uh, he, he obviously knows that everything's not totally okay. And he's like, where were we? I can't fake having a job. What if they want to call my boss? Caleb thinks about this and he says, give them my number. And Emily's like, what are you going to say? 
and he says that she works for me at my web design company uh, that I just made up. And he's like, you're willing to cover for her? It's not a cover. It's minimum wage. You start tomorrow. And, she and Sarah should just be like, I think I can do better than minimum wage. <laughs> do you have a shower here? <laughs> she half smiles, like not sure what she's in for. And I'm just pondering myself the website for actual bad guys web design Inc. Yes. Well, and, yeah, the Emily and Sarah kind of like smiling, hopefully to each other. I can't I tell, feel... like, is Caleb just conning someone here? Did he actually suddenly just decide that he's a web design company? Really? What is he designing? It's a tax credit. Well, just, I will feel so bad for him if 6A ends. You know, never mind, like, all the things that we want, the answers. Uh, the, the key phrase I, I saw on Twitter today is that when 6A ends, we'll know everything that Marlene knows, which I don't think so. Um, but, like, I will feel bad if by 6A, like, Caleb's only client is the brew. <laughs> I feel like Caleb, his web design company is just going to be like going around all the local businesses, charging them a lot of money to make websites for them, and then just like using Squarespace and like mm. some templates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then just pocketing all that extra web design money. Yeah. Yeah. And so we cut to the brew. Hannah's in kind of the back area. She's pacing. She's leaving a message for Leslie on her phone. She says, Hey, Leslie, it's Hannah. Again, I'm wondering if you got my message or if you just don't want to meet. But And then she looks over and she sees that Leslie's there waiting. Uh, she says, never mind. You bag of hair. <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of sighs and composes herself and walks around to meet Leslie. Uh, I notice that she walks by a door for the bathroom in the brew. I don't know if we've seen that before. Do you remember that there was the thing where it was like, don't worry, in the premiere, you'll see the yeah. bathroom in the <laughs> dollhouse. And then everyone was like, was it just Everyone's Sarah? like, what the fuck, Marlene? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a... They're really getting a lot of use out of the uh, the neon sign in the brew this season. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is a, this is another great shot. And again, it's like... Is a Brian De Palma thing almost? There's like a Eyes of Laura Mars kind of thing. Um, it's like a very stylized... I want to say almost like 80s horror vibe to it. When we talk about like horror tropes that they're winking at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. So we see Hannah like she's like next to this like door of a reflection on it. And then kind of like as she's leaving this message, there's Leslie. And kind of like soft focus over to Leslie and Hannah hangs up as she's just like, never mind. Um, so then Hannah goes around one way of the wall as the camera kind of comes in around the brick wall where the nook is. And we Hannah and Leslie meet up and Leslie's just like, look, before we do this, can I just say one thing? And Hannah's like, sure. sure. You yeah. bag of hair. <laughs> and Leslie's like, I'm sorry. I was way out of line this morning. You are not the source of my anger. Clearly, you got more screwed over by that Mona stunt than I did. And if you found a way to forgive her, and I was like, I have. It would be great if you could, too. And she's like, that may not happen overnight. And then Hannah, you know, winks at me and says, Mona's complicated. Mm -hmm. Okay. But she's not the real monster here. That person hasn't been caught yet. Unless it's like, well, maybe you're right. But I still can't wonder that if that, if Riley Place, Riley Place helped Mona or made her worse. And Hannah's like, well, she's not the only one. And Leslie's like, what does that mean? And Hannah says, that nut house may have closed down, but it still holds all the answers. And Leslie's like, answers to what? And then we get some Hannah's Hannah answer. Or Hannah doesn't answer. Yeah. And Leslie's like, I'd let the police ask the questions. Taking matters in your own hands is exactly what got your friend Mona into trouble in the first place. And some more Hannah face. Although I feel like it's a little more, uh, I don't know, but of a front like i like maybe she's picking up something from leslie here well i would say too like 
Leslie's reactions to this conversation are a lot more interesting after the conclusion of the episode. Well, even now, though, I felt like Leslie was starting to get super sketchy. Like she well, seems that that was a weird pointed answer there about, you know, letting the police ask the questions. And But she's she's the way she hangs on some of Hannah's words to try to ascertain, like, what does Hannah know? What well, it seems like it seems like Leslie has more motivations here than just the trial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the dark room or outside of it, Clark's fooling around with some like cubbies, like putting his photo sheets in the cubbies. Uh, he's like ready to hit the road. And Ari's like, yep, actually. Now I can't remember if I dumped out the last of the solution or not. And he's just like, hang tight, I'll check. So he runs back in the dark. Well, Ari's got to be thinking like, that was too easy. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been great if he was just like, okay, well, you better go check then. Yeah, I'll wait. Yeah. I'm going to hold your coat for you. Uh, also, do you notice he gave her just a little, a little touch on the arm as he went past? Like, that wasn't he's, an accident. He's trying to bridge he's, that he's gap, I think. playing the long game. Yeah. Uh, and I did like, as soon as he walks past her, Arya just basically rolls her eyes and like drops the smile she just had. Yeah. Uh, rushes like, right into her skin. Just turns that happy emotion right off and uh, immediately snatches his negatives out of his cubby and puts them in her giant purse right after he's out of the frame. Uh, Arya being sketchy is just so much fun. Like, I love it when they give her, like, especially when it's like n- not even like, like something that she has to do like it's like a business or something like that mm-hmm. like whenever she has to get all squirrely and like snoop around it's it's just so much fun yeah so he comes back right as she's dumped the stuff in her purse and she follows behind him as he or he says we're all good he smiles leaves she falls behind him and it's like she almost mugs to the camera like a woo that was close <laughs> she's a wonderful little detective I mean, I can understand the utter fascination that any anybody could have meeting Arya for the first time, even if you didn't know her media backstory. But I don't know that I would still turn my back on her. Mm-hmm. So we go outside the Hastings estate. Dean rolls up. Looks like he's giving Spencer a ride home. I or wonder, the, like... Uh, the Westgate of the Hastings Villa. Yeah. Are the cops, like, tailing them? Or is there some sort of thing where it's like they just have to be with, with an adult when they leave the house? <laughs> I don't know. They're like, look, we looked at, like, you know, I don't know how, how much you think the cops get paid or how many mm-hmm. like, manpower we have. You have a giant fucking estate. We can't cover all of it, Spencer. And so Spencer, as they roll up, she says, are you sure you don't want to come in? Because she is DTF. And Dean's just like, mm, pass. Why are you so mean, Dean? And he says, last time I saw that gate, your mother was tossing my duffel bag through it, aiming for my head. And Spencer says, well, she's mellowed out a bit since then. He says, nope. oh, oh, I doubt it. Uh, if your family did mellow, I wouldn't be driving you home right now. And he gives her kind of a significant look. And she says, look, I haven't been to a meeting in a while. It was just for some reassurance. And he says, oh, I thought it was for the free food. And he's just trying to be like jokey about it. But now she gets serious. And she says, I'm just really tired of living in a state of permanent anxiety. <laughs> uh, seriously. She says, if a few bites of a cookie can get me through the day and help me sleep. And he says, it doesn't work like that. She kind of half rolls her eyes, but it's like she's not totally dismissing him. Uh, he says, uh, you can't rationalize. Now you're either in or you're out. Well, and so this is a second character in this episode alone after Clark who can actually treat somebody like reasonably without like having to have this like holier than thou sage fucking advice like well, Ezra. He is a, a sober life coach or whatever. I mean, theoretically right. he'd be good but, at I mean, this. Yeah. And he, not only does he understand what she's going through, but he can also like speak to her like in a non condescending, like I'm not judging you Spencer, but well, I'm going to judge you he, as an addict himself. I think he has a little bit more, uh, 
you know, understanding the delicate nature of how you can converse with somebody. Well, he like he's not just like fronting like he right right he has the experience to talk about this he's not just like well i read somewhere well and uh, i think we'll get to that in just a second too because i think i think you're right but uh she's like i know i know but when you've been yanked out of one nightmare and then shoved into another and he's like you're right it sucks yeah but you're strong spencer stronger than you think and she's just like please just don't say that and he's like why why don't you believe that and she like takes a why, why doesn't she want to hear that? She doesn't answer for So here's my theories on that. Mm-hmm. She doesn't believe it because it doesn't fit with her fatalistic punishing vibe. Or she doesn't want the responsibility and pain that comes with having to be strong and having to fight those battles because they never end. Or because typically those are the hollow words spoken to her by guys like Ren or Toby <laughs> or Ezra who just want to build her up buttercup enough to you know put her on that pedestal so they can look under her skirt metaphorically. Wow. But I think I think Dean is like you said, he's not fronting. This is real. I mean, maybe, you know, Dean wants to go downtown with Spencer at some point, but he's giving her some real talk here. I mean, I don't think it's that Spencer doesn't believe it so much as she doesn't want to believe it. Uh, yeah. maybe she's just tired of being that unstoppable force that everyone depends on. Right. I mean that's that's a lot of responsibility and it's not an easy road that she has to go down just being Spencer Hastings. Yeah. But, you know, no one else showed up for the job. Mm-hmm. So Dean says, I gave you something or I gave something to you a long time ago and he never used it. She kind of looks at him and he's like, my number. Cocky much. Uh, you know, while I was watching this, I was like 25% expecting Spencer to just go down on him here. Uh, he says, maybe next time you can't sleep or, and she's like, thank you. She smiles at him and she kind of thinks for B and she says, can you do me a favor? He says, yeah. And she gets out her bat, uh, her little bag of pot cookies there. And she's like, can you throw that out? She hands them to him. She's kind of a little bit reluctant, but determined now. And Dean's just like, wow, you're the first girl to toss her cookies in my car. Just, ugh, no. Get out of the car, Dean. No puns allowed. And Spencer laughs and uh, add him, not with him. She says, thank you. And she gets out. And she shuts the door. I like how you added that. Add him, not with him. Like, that was just a terrible pun. Awful. I uh, think she she thought it was cute. Unexpectedly cute. Uh, yeah, so I, she, oh, I know some, you know your uh your your pot smoker can be a little touchy whenever they suspect uh anyone is uh, vilifying marijuana i don't think that was really the the message here like the no. the drug itself is kind of irrelevant yeah just yeah. as you know it's really just more about how spencer copes with things well i think she specifically is addressing the fact that she had a problem with pills before by going to sabrina and the the pot cookies pot yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is where T goes down a bad spiral because of Spencer. He has a bad day. He hasn't thrown away those cookies. Yeah. She ruined his, she's ruined his sobriety. And then when, after the time jump, she like finds him. He's, he's missing a, all his teeth. Yeah. He's got like a scraggly beard. Yeah. <laughs> he's like half of his he's head. He's like shaved. scratching his neck constantly, asking if uh, he can borrow some money. Yeah. Um, so as he dries off, Spencer turns around and she sees uh oh it's mona walking over to Allie's house she's got like a little card in her hand and she frowns because she sees mona put something in uh Allie's mailbox and spencer's like oh so do you remember when travis got that one valet kid to back the car Mm -hmm. into the mailbox to cause the distraction of mrs d for hannah's sake i just kept thinking about that with the mailbox sorry (laughs) yeah spencer's like mona is that you mona shuts the mailbox and tries to act casual and sensitive she's like hi so soft, so delicate. Yeah, Spencer says, hi, what are you doing? Just putting some anthrax in Allie's mail. Don't worry <laughs> about it, Spencer. And Mona says, it's a card for Allison. 
I know it's totally retro, but emails can be deleted, and she would never take my calls, so... Spencer kind of nods. Like, does Hallmark make a I'm sorry I framed you for my murder card? I think Target does. Hmm. And Mona says, you look great, Spencer. Which, just like, now these two are going to fuck, right? I mean, because Mona's clearly flirting in this scene. Like, Mona. every every scene with Spencer in this episode is like, they're this close to like somebody having sex with her. Well, on top of it, Mona can assess the situation. She knows which tools out of the toolbox to use. She's job. like, wow, Spencer's high is fucking horny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you look great, Spencer. Much better than the last time I saw there's you. A, there's a whiff of estrus in the air. Yeah. yeah. Spencer says, I was on a hospital gurney. Mona's like, yeah, me too. But you look more graceful being rolled. Well, I, I want to point out that, like, just in case there's... From we can discuss this. Like, there's a touch where you feel like Spencer is like judging Mona's comments. I think they're having a genuine conversation from Spencer's perspective. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't think Spencer's like looking at Mona as being calculating in this moment. Like they're having. This is like probably the first earnest conversation. Or well, seemingly earnest. It's there's a little bit of gallows humor there, which is right yeah. up Spencer's alley. Yeah, uh, and she's just kind of like, yeah, they're totally flirting. And Spencer's like, Mona, can I ask you something? Mona nods. And Spencer's like, when you were in that dollhouse longer than any of us, uh, except for Sarah Hart, who doesn't count. And she <laughs> says, so do you think it's possible or could there be a chance that there was another girl that was trapped down there? Not Sarah Harvey, but a, a younger girl, maybe 11 or 12. Mona's like, who's Sarah Harvey? Yeah. I've literally never heard that name before. Yeah, Mona's like, why are you asking me this? And Spencer says, I, I have this image in my head of a young girl. She looks a lot like a young Allison. Does she? Uh, and she's guiding me towards this creepy room with these rusted bathtubs. Uh, Mona's like, I think that everyone that was trapped in that place escaped Spencer. Not entirely. I really wanted Mona to be like, I think she looked more like a young you, Spencer, not Allison. Yeah. Yes, I can see into your dreams. I have adrenalized hyperreality, remember? <laughs> Spencer's like, okay, but what about that room? Have you ever seen it? It's got a couple of drains on the floor and the walls are tiled. There's broken furniture everywhere. And God knows what horrible things happen down there. Mona's like, no, I haven't seen it, but it sounds terrifying yeah. because it was in your dream, Spencer. Yeah. Um, but of course, Mona actually does know what she's talking about. Uh, and he kind of sense that she does, too. It seems like Mona's getting a little coy now. Mm -hmm. uh, Spencer's like, it is. Maybe it doesn't exist. I just I felt like I'd been there before. Well, I like the, the pause before she has to allow that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it doesn't exist. And as Mona says, I think it must live in your head. And <laughs> the when way the she says it. When the hilarious. girl suffering from and or celebrating life of the internalized mm -hmm. hyperreality tells you that something must live in your head, well... She's like, I, I think it must live in your head, Spencer, the way all of you live in mine and control <laughs> my emotions like an inside out. <laughs> and they shook up uh, a snow globe that is our lives. Yeah. yeah. And Spencer's like, right. And Mona's nodding. She's like just full on like innocent puppy dog eyes. And Spencer's like, good night. And Mona's like, good night. So Spence walks off and Mona's watching her go. She is clearly up to something here. Like I, it, it really seems like she does know what Spencer's talking about with like that weird, you know, room. There's a, there's a nice match framing of their faces as they, as they end the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is, this is a good old, scene. good old Mona. Yeah. All is a wrinkle with her. Uh, so mm -hmm. then we, it's like the next day. Emily's pacing in front of uh, Pennsylvania Child Services here. She's anxious. I think we're supposed to be in like downtown Philly. I would that's, think so. I think that's what it's supposed to be because of some from, stuff later. From what we've seen of uh, Rosewood, I don't think they have a child services office. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no shit. So, uh, Sarah comes out of the office and Emily's like, so, how'd it go? And 
Sarah says. She's oh hold on. <clears throat> me, 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 me. She said it would take a while for my PFE to go through, but that I could stay with you and your mom in the meantime. That's amazing. Emily's like so happy about this. She's like, okay, we have to do something special tonight. How do you want to celebrate your freedom? She looks across the street. Well, let's make it permanent. And she nods behind Emily and we em turns and we see there's a uh, tattoo parlor there. And Emily seems like a bit surprised at first, but then it's like she laughs, like she's going to be daring now. Well, yeah, this reaction is appropriately dorky for such a sheltered girl. This, this is, is where, one of the... Huh. I was going to say, this is where Pam needs to sit uh, Emily down and, and just be like, Emily, seriously, there are easier ways to get laid. Yeah. I know I'm your mom, but we're just talking girl to girl right now. You don't need to get a tattoo. Also, is Pam cool with Sarah Harvey just like living with them? Like, did uh, she sign off on no, that? Seemingly no from the last time they discussed this. Pam's just like looking at the water bill like, I'm going to have to go back to work. We can't afford this fucking water bill. Sarah's um, just like, hi, Mrs. Fields. You adopted me. <laughs> also, I may be sleeping with your daughter. <laughs> it's a Royal Tenenbaums thing. Um, yeah, so this is like a dingy looking tattoo bar. It's like one of those like lower street level ones. Like The mm. neon sign is flickering. This is great cinematic language for seedy <laughs> well i mean it's, it's a tattoo parlor yeah in philly uh yeah. so exterior rally at night we see the signs in the gate psych facility close then we're in like a hallway and rally like in the basement level spencer and hannah are walking through with flashlights we see spray painted on oh. the walls karissimi group which is pretty blatant yeah karissimi i don't know um obviously they can just get into this place whenever they want uh this looks like they're in some sort of basement area it's very similar to the where we saw Sp- spencer but i mean like start the, of the, episode. Of the group is it is it intentional or is it like an intentional red herring would that name of that group come up later i wonder um what was the uh the anagram Ty- is um it's like i rip us orgasmic i think right right yeah <laughs> so Spencer's walking with just, just Hannah. Channeling the organ. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a Spencer Hannah away mission here. Spencer says, We're not leaving here until we find something about Charles. Uh in this place, by the way, just looks like completely dingy and gross. Like it hasn't seen a janitor since nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Uh, and Hannah's like, God, what do they keep down here? Or should I say who? <laughs> and Hannah's kinda like through this whole scene trying doors and they're all locked. Spencer says, Patient records. Only the staff was allowed in the basement, not us. Not us. Yeah, and Hannah says, I guarantee Mona's been down here. Of course she has. They turn a corner, more locked doors. Spencer says, yeah, where is she? I thought she was supposed to be our tour guide. Hannah says, she wanted to come, but her mom's attached at the hip. They, like, shower together. Okay, creepy imagery, but also way too funny in a post-Sarah Harvey world. (laughs) Somewhere Sarah Harvey just shivered like somebody walked over her grave. Yeah, yeah. And then Sarah Harvey was like... And then like, she was like, I need to take a shower. Well, no, that shiver, Sarah Harvey's like, that's complicated. And then Hannah shivers mm-hmm. on the other side of the world. Uh, so yeah, Hannah tries another door and she's like, God, why are these doors locked? Well, then Spencer sees something. Yeah, Spencer stops at this kind of weird faded poster on the wall. It's just like a woman, maybe she's supposed to be a doctor. She looks like she might have a lab coat on and she's like holding up a pencil and there's like an apple and a stack of books next to her. I it's don't just, think she's supposed to be a doctor. Okay, whatever. Anyway, um, Doogie Howser. She doesn't look that young to me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she looks appropriately twelve. <laughs> you think so? She yeah. looks older to me. I don't know. Um. Anyway, yeah, so it's, so it's basically it's, a model for like good nutrition. Yeah. So she's looking at this weird faded, and it's all faded and crusted over, and she starts to fugue out. 
Uh, flashes back to the dollhouse, more flashes of uh, the, the weird, you know, tub room and Maddie Ziegler dancing around. They bring back the, the, a few uh, notes of the uh, flutey music. Yeah, yeah. The, I like how the, the flute music kicks back in on the soundtrack right now. And Hannah's like, Spence, what's wrong? Spencer's like, nothing. She kind of snaps out of it. And Hannah says, you know, wait, that door's open. So they go in. And uh, then as they walk into the room, the camera pans over. We see the caption on that poster is, good health starts with good nutrition. Um, I can't tell if this means something or if it's just like more creepiness. Stop cyberbullying. I feel I like the, to... the set designers seem to really love that kind of like decayed utopian 50s vibe. Like they just love that stuff. The kind of like uh, like Radley was uh, like Bioshock, uh, basically something out of like uh, like the Dharma Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved with the tone of this episode so far, if like Maddie Ziegler on the poster then winked at us. Mm. Um, so they find their way into that creepy bathhouse room. Uh, it's the same as the dream, but cluttered like more storage junk. Get another quick flashback to confirm that yes, indeed, this is the room. And Spencer's like, "That's how I know this place." And Hannah's like, "What?" So she's like, "It was in Rally, not the dollhouse. I've been here before." And I thought, "When?" So when? Yeah. yeah. After she thought Toby died, or was she in here maybe as a young girl herself? Because you know, Manny Ziegler there looks a hell of a lot more like a young Spencer than a young Allie. Well, I know that was a lot of people. As when the Instagram photos mm-hmm. came out, that was a lot of people's takes. I mean, there's always a possibility. There's that time. Um, do you remember there was like during the the dark Toby's mom's dead saga mm-hmm. yeah. when that current Toby broke in that one night? Yeah, um, yeah. So Spencer's like, I know this room, and Hannah's like pulling some boxes on the shelf, and she's well, like, Well, then why am I the only one doing anything? Can you help me? This is heavy. Well, Hannah, she's checking around as Spencer just just like being freaked out. I feel like. Uh, they should be like, holy shit, I'm in a torture porn version of a Cialis commercial right now. Where's Pastor Ted? There's these two bathtubs right in the middle of the place. Well, she, Hannah's like, come on, Spencer. Haven't you seen the first Saw movie, at least? Mm-hmm. This is the exact set. I think this is just a subtle visual proof that uh, Ted is A here. Those fucking bathtubs. <laughs> I felt like Carrie Elwes was going to like, crawl his way in any minute. So uh, some stuff crashes to the ground uh, when Spencer doesn't help. And Hannah gives Spencer this look. It's like, thanks. And Spencer just gives her this like, what? Shrug. Yeah, just the kind of flap her arms like, eh. And then talk about metatextual. We cut to a close-up of Sarah Harvey's back. <laughs> yeah. And Sarah's tattoo that she got is of Tippy the bird. Flying it's a little a uh, little bird cage with an open open door and the bird's flying away. I, I mean, know that's... why they cage bird showers. I mean, that's got to be intentional, right? There's no way they that's like an accidental joke about Tippy the bird there. Well, to me, there's a there's a, there's quite possibly a few what I would call psycho references in this episode. Hmm. Um, and I also wonder, too, if that if this is one of them. Yeah, because that movie's heavily about the birds. Um, yeah. So the tattoo artist is like, well, tattoo okay, artist, by the way, she's like, she's pale. She's got like some dyed red hair and some bangs red and black hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, okay, once it dries, put this cream on every day, every did you, day. Did you notice how much like blood there was when she was wiping that tattoo? That was yeah. a pretty bloody paper towel. Yeah. So yeah. Emily's looking at in the mirror and looking past some like creepy eyes wide shut party mask akin to those we saw in the dollhouse. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh wow, that looks amazing! I love it." And she comes over to see the tattoo, and Sarah's your just turn, like, "Your turn, your turn." And like, "What? No." Well, then, so the talk about self-referential. Sarah says, "Come on, I saw you eyeing that mermaid at the harpoon. I, me." That's such an Emily tattoo. 
Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, if my mom ever found out I got a tattoo, she'd harpoon me. So get a small one in a place she'll never see. Emily gets the craziest smile on her face. Uh, I mean, this is definitely like a Spencer and Hannah were owning this episode, but Shane Mitchell's getting in some really funny, like sneaky reaction shots here. Yeah, well, because I mean, she gets to play up the fact that Emily is a sheltered girl. Well, and I think also, you know, if Emily is, is Spencer's Tulpa, according to our theory, yeah, she's pretty sprung herself in this episode. Right, right. Because she's got this big, crazy, dumb grin on her face as she's kind of pondering getting a tattoo, and she walks around looking at the artwork, and she stops at one uh, Japanese character set that she points at, and she's like, what does this one mean? The tattoo artist says, that is a Japanese symbol for courage. She's so dry. Which is so fitting for Emily. She's, but she's so, like, sarcastically dry about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's courage. Yeah, and Emily, Emily's, like, you know, the bravest little liar, so of course she'd get that. And Sarah says... It's got your name on it. And Tattoo Artist says, no, but it could. Have a seat. I love this Tattoo Artist. Oh, I know. Uh, So she points to the chair. Sarah gets up so Emily can kind of reluctantly get in. But it's like, you know, like, how much courage can you have if you won't get the tattoo for courage? You know, it's it's almost like she has to prove herself. She hands her phone to Sarah. Yeah. Hands her phone to Sarah and says, can you hold my phone? She sits down. Rookie mistake. Yeah, tattoo artist says, where do you want it? And Emily's like, um, and she pulls her hair back to like kind of, you know, reveal the back of her neck. She's like, maybe right here. Yeah, your mom will never see that. Yeah, yeah, really. Tattoo artist kind of probes the area and Emily winces a little. And she's like, it's just really tender. And the artist says, well, it ain't going to hurt any less with a needle in it. Uh, How about you try something a little closer to the good china? Oh, I love this tattoo artist. The shocked look on Emily's face and Sarah's like shrug. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this episode, we got bag of hair and we got a little closer to the good China. Yeah. Uh, it's two great lines of dialogue that I'm going to try to find uh, ways to work both of these into my regular conversations. I feel like the, I almost I would almost hope that the good China line would get you a slap. Mm-hmm. I want this tattoo artist to become a recurring character. Like we got stuck with like Johnny Eggs and like Talia like this. This tattoo artist, she's got some spunk here. I, my, I like my, the cut of her jib. My fan fiction version of this is that she's the older sister of the chick who who doesn't want Arya's editing skills for the yearbook. Oh, yeah. Um, but I wish somebody would ask a tattoo artist, what is the Japanese symbol for, yo, I'm trying to fuck this girl? <laughs> she's like, same one, actually. <laughs> uh, so we go back to Radley. Hannah's rifling through some files. She's a little frustrated. She's like, unfreaking believable. Which is funny because that's like a Caleb line, mm-hmm. I think, at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, wait, Radley has files on patients who've been dead since the Stone Age, but nothing from six stupid years ago. Speaking of which. Shouldn't it be like eight or nine years ago? Yeah, seems, it's, seems it's a little curious. Off. It's yeah. curious. But speaking of, like, like, literally, as they say that, Spencer's like, stop. I found it. See the, rent- see the Rentus. I got it. She pulls the file out. She's reading. And Hannah's like, what's it say? And Spencer keeps reading. And Hannah's like, Spencer, talk to me. Is he dead or not? And Spencer, almost a touch mournful, was like, yeah, he's dead. So Hannah looks over to see, you know, she's like, what am I looking at? Spencer says, it's a work order. Courier who transported his organs. And Hannah's like, so what? That doesn't mean squat. Spencer's like, Hannah, you can't donate your heart, liver, and both kidneys and still play Boggle in the Radley rec room. He's dead. Uh, I mean, two thoughts here. One, could you donate your kidneys if you died of a pill overdose? That seems suspicious. Good question. Uh, two, if they actually did have Charles donate his organs, is it possible that like his 
evil organs took over like other people's bodies and they're all a now to which i, replied, I, could, I could dig that we need evil hand acting mm-hmm. <laughs> ezra he's a good guy he's not a bad guy he's just too romantic and his hand is evil yeah until we got uh, a hand transplant from charles never knew it all my sexting is now evil mm-hmm. i'll make love to you um so hannah's like well someone's pretending to be him so who is it who is charles but she's like flipping through more pages in the file. And she's like, I don't know. This is just a bunch of medical files, which I would keep. I think it'd be interesting. They, Hannah marched over uh, to inspect more boxes. She causes some of them to fall into one of the baths. And Spencer's like, what are you doing? And then Hannah comes around and then well, sees the, something in the water. The tub is full of just this dark, brackish water. You know? Yeah, it's black, filthy water. And they they both gasp and like, oh, shit. Because there's like a what looks like, according to Hannah, a kneecap in the murky, dirty water. Yeah, Hannah is near hyperventilating and right Spencer's now. like, don't touch it. And Hannah's like, why would I touch it? <laughs> like, why would I touch it? Hannah really makes a great screen queen. Yeah. Um, man, it's, it's so funny watching these two. And Spencer looks around and she like rushes back to the door. And Hannah's just like, Spencer, where are you going? If you leave me here, I swear to God. And Spencer's just like, shut up. I'm just getting something to fish it out. And she's got like a like an IV stand that she brings over and you're gonna like poke into the tub. And Hannah's just like, fish it out. I don't want to see what it's connected to. She's just like losing her mind. Yeah. Spencer's just going for it. She's sticking the pole in, like poking around. And Hannah's just like, Spencer, Spencer, stop, please stop. And then she screams as a face surfaces in the water. She's just completely losing her shit. Um this isn't a human head, it's like a doll head. And Spencer's just like, oh, my God, breathe, breathe. It's a doll. And he's like, what? And Spencer says, it's a recessa Annie. Uh, like a little like thing you practice CPR on. Um, honestly, like, did Spencer just do all this to freak Hannah out? Like, there was no reason to go trolling around in that tub. Uh, but the results were spooky and hilarious. I mean, if you wanted to see if it was actually indeed a dead body. Why would there be a dead body in the tub at Radley? I don't know. Let me ask you this, though. On the Halloween train, why was there hors d'oeuvres served over a dead body? True, true. But Things more, happen. <laughs> more than, than ever, I need to see these girls in like a Clue homage episode. I think they have just the right vibe for something like that, you know? Let us out! Let us in! <laughs> You're a bit late for that! Yeah. And <laughs> Hannah's like, well, w- what is that? Like a blow-up thingy? And Spencer's like, no, you blow into it. They use it to teach CPR. It's a real doll. And, you know, if Hannah's nerves weren't turned up enough, there's like a loud bang somewhere nearby. And she's like, what was that? And Spencer's like, it was the wind. Uh, no, she says, it's probably something you woke up out of your hi- of hibernation with your screaming. Yeah. Uh, Hannah's just like holding her face. She's like peeking through her fingers. Uh, Spencer kind of fishes a, one of the files out of the tub there. Well, and they, they let that shot end with like some droplets falling back <laughs> into the black water of the past. It was like really just like a, like a perfectly vile like like imagery. Um, I was going to say, as freaked out as Hannah is here, as much as her heart is probably racing and her nerves are frayed, unlike Aria, she has not lost control of her bowels yet. <laughs> no. All right. Meanwhile, at Arya's house, she's got some kind of like projector and larger things she's using to look at these negatives. Or actually, they're not negatives anymore. Um, so she's she's at flipping. home. She has this. Yeah, just at home. She has this weird contraption, uh, you know, creepy doll photo close up. And then she switches to another shot of uh, some of these negatives that Clark took. And she sees the the frame she's looking for and she zooms in and there's like a black hoodie kind of in the background of a shot 
and Arya is amazed by this because there is a sense of boobs on that black hoodie. It looks like Emperor Palpatine of boobs. Yeah. Uh, and so she takes out her phone and takes a picture of this, uh, square framed, of course. Uh, this, I have to say, is an anachronism. She, that's got to be at least iOS 7, uh, which didn't come out for another year and a half. Mm. So there you go. Uh, so then she, she gets this picture of, uh, you know, possibly A here and she texts the girls and says, you know, quote unquote, A is a girl, question mark, question mark, question mark. A is, uh, quotations, A is a ellipsis girl, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Well, you know, score another point for Arya and her, uh, you know, half-assed investigation here. She wasn't even trying. She's like, look, bitches, I didn't give a shit and I had cramps. Mm-hmm. And I still fucking nailed it. I knocked it out of the park this week. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the plot no one really cares about. Allie's house, Lorenzo's in street clothes and a leather jacket. He's waiting on her porch. Uh, she comes out to meet him with that binder they're looking at. And she hands him the binder and says, I totally could have dropped this off at church. And he's like, why? I'd make you leave your house if you don't want to. And Allie says, because I want to. Leave. And he says, listen. And Allie says, I don't even know how to apologize for him. That was so wrong. And Lorenzo says, Allison, your father's not angry with me. Or you. He's angry with himself. And I just wanted Ken to pop out and just be like, you're wrong. I'm angry at you, Lorenzo. I hope you're gone after the time jump. Lorenzo says he failed to protect his own family, and that's got to hurt. I hope you know it hurts. Yeah. Hurts says, so good. Well, it wouldn't hurt us as much if you just admit it. Subject change. What's that? Subject change. Yeah, really. Uh, Lorenzo says, hey, did you notice who was on site today at the curb? I got the goon who was on your beat to trade shifts with another officer. Her name's Lydia. She's nice. You'll like her. Uh, if you're not feeling the the vibes here, just pretend this is super romantic or something. Well, you'll see this. This is where I step in, and I'm just like, fuck you, Lorenzo. Because she's like, you didn't have to do that. And he's like, I wanted to. And now, because he feels owed, he leans in to, like, tenderly kiss her. And I, I, feel I don't like, know. That, I feel like you're projecting a little there. I don't I know feel if it's like, like feels owed or anything. Uh, oh, I think he's, he, to him, it's a romantic gesture. But uh, for her, I think it's, you know, it's a it's a bit of comfort. It's a port in the storm. She might even really like this yeah. guy. So he kisses her. She stops, looks at him, kisses him back. And their makeout session is immediately interrupted by some headlights because uh, Ken's home. Uh, and so he gets out of his car. We're kind of like looking behind him. Um, he Obviously, he sees what they're up to. And Lorenzo just silently leaves. Uh, and Kenneth is just scowling because uh, he probably stopped off at the Bradbury for his nightcap of urine. So he's <laughs> especially pissed right now. Who's, whose urine do they serve him at the bread party? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe the bartender just has to, like, you know. I'd say he'd go in the back, but he has a bar in front of him. Maybe he just does it right there. <laughs> Let me crack open the casket of finally age Kenneth mm-hmm. Laurentiis piss. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, why would you go to the bread party if you have your own piss at home? Maybe you can get, you know, I don't know, gourmet piss. <laughs> Oh, I could, I could think yeah, of three right. degrees. So yeah, Allison like runs inside, and Kenneth just kind of stares as Lorenzo departs. Uh, just thinking, I, you know, I guess trying to drive my daughter away from this guy is having the opposite effect that I intended. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the, the tattoo parlor. Emily's getting a tattoo on kind of like her, like kind of hip, like lower torso area. Next to the good china. Yeah. Close well, to I mean, the good china. I mean, like. 
but the thing is too is is Lorenzo's defended Kenneth. Maybe maybe his assessment of Kenneth is somewhat accurate, but it's like Lorenzo's met like, Kenneth once for like two seconds. But I feel like Lorenzo maybe didn't pick up on how the fact that Kenneth called his daughter a slut right in front of him. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Emily needs to be like drinking some Jack Daniel out of a bottle. Like while she's getting the tattoo here. Because she's then, uh, she seems then, pretty calm. Like she must have a high pain threshold. And then she's like, do like that, that, that metal fist doing mm-hmm. the whole thing. But then like Sarah pours some of that JD like onto the actual tattoo. There you go. <laughs> uh so meanwhile her phone beeps over on a table behind the tattoo artist. We see there's a group text from Arios come in with that that photo of A with the uh, A is a girl question mark. And Sarah kind of leans over and sees this and gets like super concerned. She's looking around. She's worried. It's uh, not because it's like it's one shot from Emily to the phone to Sarah. A wonder. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it was Heather Hogan on Twitter. It was just like, I really want the tattoo artist to have like tattooed A on Emily. <laughs> yeah, like on her back. So she won't <laughs> notice right away. So then we cut outside the, you know, tattoos done. They're emerging onto the mean streets of Philly here. Mm-hmm. Sarah's looking around all over. She's paranoid. Emily's kind of oblivious. Emily says, we should probably call my mom, let her know we're on our way. And Sarah's kind of hanging back, and Emily turns, and she's like, Sarah, what's wrong? I read the text that you got from Aria. What text? And she checks her phone, and her eyes get big. I saw her, too. I've seen her a couple of times. We went to Caleb's apartment. There was someone across the street in a black hoodie. Meanwhile, there's like some kind of weird commotion yeah, happening yeah. off screen. We never see it. It's kind of weird. Um, cause we keep expecting like the camera to like cut and show us like, Oh, some shit's going down, but we never do. There's just like this added kind of tension. I, I guess it's just like city life at night. Yeah. Emily's trying to calm this wrecking ball down and she's just like, okay, Sarah, let's not do this here. Okay. We'll talk when we get home. We'll be okay. There's like a loud banging somewhere and Sarah just like takes off running and she runs funny. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She, she just takes off running after this bang and Emily's just like, Sarah, Sarah, wait. And Emily runs after her. I mean, I, I don't think Emily runs any less funny, but I think it's because they, they look like they're running in slow motion a little. Like they're not it's like really they're, running hard. It would be almost hilarious if they, if they just like amped up the exaggeration of their arms a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They almost run a little bit like, like Elaine dances on Sunday. <laughs> so we go back to Rally, which somehow like Hannah hasn't run out of this place yet. <laughs> Spencer's got like the dried off file that she found in the tub and she's flipping through pages and Hannah's just like twitching. Uh, she's like, Spencer, come on. Like, can we just go? I don't need any more proof he's dead. Spencer says, we already knew that, but we don't know who Charles was close to, who he hung out with. And Hannah's like, you're never going to know that. Radley doesn't put out a yearbook. Imagine if Radley did. It would also be called the best years of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer just kind of throws Hannah this little smirk. Uh, these two are so much fun. And Hannah's just like, let's go. And there's like another crash of noise somewhere nearby. It was the wind. And yeah. Hannah's like, okay, that was definitely not an animal. I'm leaving here now. So Spencer grabs the file and they run off. I'm amazed she got Hannah to hang around this long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so back in Philly, Sarah's doing her goofy running with Emily behind her. And she has to stop because she's run themselves right into like a dead end of an alley. Emily catches up. Dark alley. Yeah, she's like, Sarah, please, don't do this. You've been looking all along, haven't you? What? For whoever had us down on that bunker, why didn't you want me to know? 
Sarah, we've been trying to protect you, okay? I've been trying to protect you. I need to protect myself. I thought we were connecting. How could you keep this from me? I even got tattoos. And Emily says, I had to. A threatened to hurt you if we told the police what we found out in that dollhouse. I Which, I mean, like, you could have told Sarah about it, though, Emily. Like, you just, you know, you weren't supposed to tell the cops. Uh, but yeah, Sarah says, I don't understand. Emily says, Sarah, we're getting closer to figuring out who this person is. And there's kind of like a, just a soft boom nearby and Sarah looks past Emily like in horror. Oh my god! Yeah, and Emily's like, soon we'll know. Yeah. And Sarah freaks out and Emily turns around and we see a big shadow on the wall. Like maybe it's like a black hoodie shadow. Kind of like huge on the wall and it's, well, it's moving. It's great visually because it's like, it's reminiscent of A's presence at the end of Spencer's dream at the start of the episode. But it also reminds me of like the, uh, the, sh- the shadow that appeared on the wall, uh, during the street chase in the oh, escape and, from New York. 501. Yeah, I mean, yeah. classic, you know, trope of the, the yeah. giant shadow on the wall. So they both run away back the way they came, looking goofy as they run. And then there's a, was, is it me? Or was there not like a brief mock psycho stab on the soundtrack there? Like a little... <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. I, was, I thought for just like a second there, I'm just like, that had to be intentional. But, ugh, Emily, Sarah doesn't need your protection necessarily. Not the way that you're offering it. She needs like, to feel safe in the world the way that Emily does. Now, I get that Emily has the best intentions, but she's basically taking away that ownership of her own life away from Sarah to a certain extent. Well, Sarah's a Muppet. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, but it's like she half listens to Sarah when Sarah says, you know, I know I've got some issues right now, but like me just sitting around having issues is not what I need. I need to go do human stuff and i need to go do human stuff (laughs) really can you take her seriously i can't uh so we we cut to spencer and hannah they're kind of speed walking out of radley come around a corner and they hear like a creak very like a you know a little noise very real nearby uh and so they stop and look at each other and kind of wordlessly hannah takes a file from spencer spencer grabs like a polio metal crutch Mm. to use the weapon well so again here is your Here's your meta statement about the mm-hmm. episode again. Spencer grabs a crutch as a weapon. <laughs> and Hannah you know, kind of nods to Spencer and she goes and moves and swings the door open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, inside, uh, you see a room full of like busted up wheelchairs. Yeah, it's like it's like like stacked higher than Mona herself. Just fucked up wheelchairs. Yeah, because Mona's in here. and she, Mona's clutching a, a Radley file to her chest. She's kind of surprised and shocked she's been found. Yeah. Uh, come back after commercial, and Hannah's just up her asshole. She's just like, "What the hell, Mona?" Spencer says, "Have you been down here the whole time? Was that you?" And Mona's saying nothing. She's looking scared, and so Spencer kind of goes forward with a crutch, and she's like, "Answer us!" And Mona's like, "Just let me go, please. I'll explain later." And Spencer's like, "No, you're gonna explain right now." And she yanks that fall away. And it says, "Why are you following us?" And Spencer says, "She didn't want us to find this." So Mona tries to like half-heartedly grab it from Spencer. She's like, just give it back to me, okay? This doesn't anything to do with you guys. And Hannah's like, why are you stealing your file, Mona? Spencer reads and she's like, she wasn't. She was stealing Leslie Stone's. Oh, shit. shit. Uh, Hannah's like, wait, what? Leslie was a patient here too? And Mona's like, yes. She doesn't want it to go public. It's always funny when Mona gets this annoyed kind of look on her face when she has been caught. Yeah. Like this very chagrin look. Yeah. Spencer's like, uh, is this how you met her? And Hannah's like, I, I really wanted the answer to that. But Hannah's well, Mona's just going to glare because she's smart not to say too much. Yeah. Hannah's like, Leslie Stone was in Radley. When? 
who's the bag of hair now, bitch? <laughs> so there's like, judging from this, a long time. Long enough to know Mona and Charles. And Mona's like, yeah, Spencer gives Hannah a very satisfied look, and Mona's just seething. I'm not saying too much. Um, so, do we think Mona really fucked up and made all that noise and got caught, or I was don't... this all intentional? Yeah, I, I did. I'm did Mona to... actually want Spencer to find out about Leslie and Radley? I'm trying to think of what the World War II metaphor is. Mm. Uh, you know, for basically not betraying the Enigma Code. At Detachment 2702. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so in Allison's living room, her phone is laying there unattended. Yet another rookie mistake. She gets a text. She walks in the check. These girls never have their phones in their pocket. Ladies. Yeah. Come on. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm willing to let go. Okay. The fact that this show. They're always just use... setting their phones down wherever. I mean, you know, girls' jeans, pockets aren't very big. Maybe that's part of it. The fact that the show actually used the term reality check in this episode. But come on, Allison. You know better than this. But her text from Hannah that she checks says, get over here now breakthrough and it's this how hannah writes episodes of the show she capitalized the a she capitalized and underlined the a and breakthrough and <laughs> she texts like she's on the abc family social media team yeah, exactly she may very well be summer of answers allison get over here yeah Allie makes some concerned faces probably about hannah's like cheesy texting style <laughs> and then her dad comes downstairs and Allie's like i gotta go to hannah's and he's like why <laughs> and Allie says she's having a rough night she wants her friends around he's like does she or will Lorenzo be there to comfort her, too? And Allie's like, I gotta go. Just bitch, please. Uh, she tries to walk past him, and he cuts her off. And he says, you're not going anywhere. And if you keep this up, I will take you far away from here. I mean it. And Allie's like, what? You gotta bury me at Carol's farm, too? Shove me in the ground right next to Charles? And he's just, like, making, like, confused faces now. He's like, what are you talking about? Uh, and Allie just ignores this, and she storms off. Um... I hope Allie D won't care enough to say, bitch, please. Yeah. I really wanted her to just go join the liars. Like, I guess she doesn't. Like, she doesn't want to outright disobey her dad. But I feel like she could. She could just well, be like, fuck you, old man, and just walk right out. Like, what is he going to do? She's got all the leverage. Compare this to, like, the Allison who, like, refused when her mom wanted her mm -hmm. to, like, stay home. Just be, trust me, call it a night. Um I just can't picture now uh, Kenneth of like a like a little brandy sifter of uh, like vintage urine, mm -hmm. <laughs> just just rolling it in the glass back and forth. Yeah, and then so Peter's like, "Kid, the fuck are you drinking there? <laughs> Stinks!" Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Uh, so we go to Hannah's house in the kitchen. Emily is using a little magnifying glass to look at the the photo that Arya's provide them all with to look at the little black hoodie with boots in the background. Arya's like, am I crazy? That's a girl, right? Basically like, Emily, you like girls? Any sense of boobs? Uh, Hannah says, that's a bust and it's Leslie Stones. And Arya's like, Hannah, stop. We barely know anything about that girl. I mean, taking us down to courtroom is not the same as taking us down to that bunker. And Emily's like, Arya's right. I mean, why? Why would she torture us? And Hannah says, because she's unstable. That's why. And Hannah says, uh, that girl's got bigger mood swings than Captain, than that Captain Hook ride at Hershey, Hershey Park. Mm -hmm. And Spencer holds up the piece of paper from the file and she says, and he forgot to mention that she once shared a room at Radley with Bethany Young. Can we, can we do our enemy at the same time? Ready? What? what? And it grabs the paper. And Spencer says, they were roommates, probably pretty close. So, I guess, was this before Bethany was Big Rhonda's roommate? Exactly. How does Big Rhonda fit into the timeline? Let's hear some Big Rhonda theories from the from the audience. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so Spencer says, Leslie must think that we helped Allie kill Bethany that night and then dumped her body in that pit. And I was like, your sister did that. <laughs> just like, no. Melissa just buried her alive. We still have no idea who bashed her over the head. And Leslie doesn't know any of it. She probably thinks that Allison did the deed and we helped her get rid of the body. And I was like, but why hide behind Charles's name? And Spencer says, well, maybe she was just as close to Charles as she was to Bethany. It all comes back to Charles, guys. And I was like, so Mona was covering for Leslie? I mean, by stealing her file? And Hannah says, Mona said she was just doing to repair their friendship. Leslie's got her fool, too. And Spencer's like, or not. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's Mona. Uh, and Emily says, what about Sarah? I mean, why would Leslie Stone go after a complete stranger? Who? Who's this now? Yeah, and Spencer says, uh, it was probably just a rehearsal, Em, until she could get her hands on the real Allison. Spencer's totally turned into that person on, like, Reddit or Tumblr who will, like, use any justification for her new favorite theory. She's just, like, wow. pulling excuses out of her ass to, like, explain how it's Leslie now. To an extent, Spencer was doing that before Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tumblr. So Arya says, okay, so what do we do now? Spencer says, well, we know where she lives. And Hannah says, I say we catch her in the act. And Emily's like, how? And they all kind of look at each other as the music starts playing. I love that kind of like pseudo voyeur shot, like as they like, yeah, are about to commiserate in a plan. Wider shot. I love it when a liar plan comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we um, cut, cut to Mona. She's in a room on the phone, on the phone with Leslie. Yeah, she's like, I did everything I could, Leslie, I swear. So for Leslie's half of the conversation, we see her in the driver's seat of her car. We only see her in shadow. She's parked well, she's- out like. Parked Public in an school. alley, yeah. And she says, Mona, what are you trying to say? And Mona says, they know. Melissa's like, what? You're kidding. Damn, damn it, it, damn it, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Pounding, her, thing, pounding her fists on the steering wheel. It's one so hilarious. Thing, and you screwed it up. You screwed it up for me. You always screwing everything up. You bag of hair. Yeah. See, Leslie, I'm scared pounding that steering wheel. Mona is just staring forward, unfazed. Well, so, yeah, so I mean, I think the important details here is that... Um, Leslie is in her car. We see her in like her face is covered in shadow. And I kind of wonder, does this mean anything like a one theory? Like maybe Leslie has a twin or something Um, or it could. Is it just something as explainable as like they couldn't get the actress on the set that day? So they use a stand in an ADR or something. I don't know. Is it it intentionally stylist uh, to be misleading or confusing or have you theorizing Mm -hmm. or again i was like is this like a norman and and mother thing is mona someone imagining this um yeah so mona just listens it all kind of straight faced like like she doesn't totally care even though leslie's like losing her shit but the the show is always interesting that a recurring thing is that people can be so swayed by another person that they'll carry out these crazy actions for them, like Sydney or Shauna. They'll even move to a whole other city and state mm-hmm. to defend them or try to murder people for them. Well, but I mean, what is Bona's game here? Like, was she actually really trying to help Leslie, or is this part of a longer con? Is because she purposely setting her up as a as a redheaded, you know, red mm-hmm. hair? Well, because um earlier that that fight that they had i mean some people thought like well maybe that was all arranged to like throw the liars off the trail or something but from the way leslie's reacting it doesn't seem like it leslie leslie's going nuts here it seems like she actually is pissed at mona and this isn't all part of their plan well i mean going back to to your initial read mona probably very well knew leslie was in town knew where she'd be because she's only ever been at mona's house or the brew 
mm-hmm. and just went and said, all right, I need to set up my game here. Get Mona, get Hannah on board. Oh, Hannah, can you take me over to the police station? Oh, Hannah, can you take I me mean, to the crew first? It could be that. I don't know. It's hard to tell exactly. I mean, what Mona's plan is. Half you know? of Mona lives in the plot of like, you know, old, good David Mamet movies. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's definitely a new path of investigation here. Like, if Leslie knew Bethany, then surely she has some useful information to provide one way or another. Right. Maybe right. Mona's just trying to get the girls on the scent of that. I don't know. Look, I mean, maybe Mona's still working for A for all we know. Or, or still is A somehow. Uh, yeah. But like, we're dancing around what we all came for which is this a tag you bag of hair uh, <laughs> a's got some hair cutting scissors they sit down you see a little like measuring cup full of some of that pink dye that he tried to give aria there's a little, little tufts of pink hair there uh that a's apparently dyed and a kind of picks up some hair with tweezers and melts the end of it with a candle mm-hmm. and then takes it over to a tennis ball that a is giving like aria pink streak like a little mini wig to Oh um, my goodness. I just, I don't even know. I don't even know. And then combs it. And then combs it. Yeah, it's like, it's like a tennis ball where Arya's face would be. And A's making a, a very delicate, nice little wig approximating her, you know, kind of dark chestnut hair with the pink streaks. And then A's just like delicately combing the hair. It's, it's insane. That's for sure. This is just classic A craziness. I don't know how this will come back. You know, like sometimes the A tags suggest like where the, you know, what the next A move is going to be. I don't know what to extrapolate from a tennis ball aria. Here's but... here's my read on it. I fucking love this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the episode. She's no angel. Fun episode. Yeah. Amazing fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> Completely weird. For one some of, annoying. One of the most bonkers episodes of this season. Yeah. For some annoying reason, there's no episode next week. Um, no one knows why yeah so I guess we'll be off unless we decide not to be but uh, yeah the next episode though is called No Stone Unturned yeah Stone is in Leslie Stone so uh, we got a few reviews that I should mention Uh, just in the USA we had uh, Quincy Sampson uh, Hefe74 who was wondering what OTP means uh, one true pair, I believe, is uh, typically what we're, we're talking about there. I like your supposition, though. On the prowl. <laughs> On the prowl. There we go. Uh, G. Pask 12, Amy Eckes, Laura Lie Jane, Your Majesty 183, Mel 145, Super Steph 618, and uh, Christy Merck. Also in the UK, we had Big Bear and Little Bear. In Australia, we had Bella May Gray. So thank you for all the reviews. We're getting a crazy amount of reviews now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to leave us a review, you can certainly do so in iTunes. Review your star rating. All is appreciated. If you want to get in touch with us, we are at broswatchpll2 on Twitter. Our website page is broswatchpll2.com, where you can leave a longer comment. I uh, just want to mention again, we did move all the seasons one through four episodes to a separate feed now, which is why they don't show up on the main podcast feed in iTunes. Um, it shouldn't be too hard for you to find that second feed. Just search for Bros Watch PL2. You'll find it. The artwork's different. Um, thanks for everyone for uh, listening to those episodes and apparently not hating them. That's nice because some of those are pretty rough. Yeah, some of them were not were not too fond mm-hmm. of. Um, also, a couple people on Instagram uh, were asking if there's any chance we could actually have this episode out one day earlier to accommodate uh, 4th of July traveling. 
so sorry it was not feasible. Um, That's a hard no. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is about it. We, I don't know what we'll do. We most likely be back in two weeks. Uh, maybe we'll have something for next week, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, so you had floated the idea of doing a, a question and answers episode where people could send us questions and we would come in and answer them. I don't know. I, I kept thinking you know, we're not going to have enough time to do it. Um, who knows? I mean, I think if, certainly if we don't do it before the end of the season, somewhere during the long hiatus, we will probably do such a thing. So if you ever have questions that you want to ask us to, to, to take care of in such an episode, by all means, send them to us. Yeah, uh, probably the best way to do that would be, uh, was it broswatchpl2 at gmail.com? Yeah, for, you know, anything that's longer than 160-something characters. Yeah. Well, let's let's just go ahead and say this. If you actually want us to answer your question on the air, don't don't tweet at us. Send us an email because it's Twitter's impossible to search for that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you have a question, we, send us an email. You know, I try to I try to say hey to people who sometimes say hey to us on Twitter or elsewhere, and you know, I don't touch on nearly all of you, and I'm so sorry about that. It's only because Twitter is so impossible to keep track of mm-hmm. at times. Everyone. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon enough to talk about No Stone Unturned. Well, which sometimes Allison's under every one of them. That's true. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.